get it going. It's time to get up. Here comes to Foley, right wing into the Vancouver zone. Toe drag around Ben into the slot with the backhand shot. He scores. Tyler to Foley again. These guys are here to break it all down. I'm trying to win the game. I'm not really care who scores. To be honest, he's a good player. We all know that. Um, not tipping my cap to anybody. I want to win. We're on a, you know, we lost two in a row now, so that's all I'm worried about. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Some people listen to music in the morning. I listen to you guys. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Wednesday, February 3rd. Kind of feels like Groundhog Day again, doesn't it? Yeah. What's happening? James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup right here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, lots to get to over the course of the morning. Ed Jovanoski will drop by in an hour. Jovo Cop ready to dive in around the National Hockey League and what's ailing the Canucks these days. Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, will also join us in your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock. Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner, Mr. Fixit from Dunbar Lumber, drops by at 7.30 as well. And we'll also talk a little Super Bowl as we inch closer and closer to the dream match finale and coming up on Sunday between Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. We'll talk to BC Lions quarterback Mike Riley. Looking ahead to that at 8.30 this morning. But, Pear, well, we ran it back on Groundhog Day yesterday, and after the Canucks got spanked on Monday, they got spanked again. Not quite as ugly this time, and I think the company line was – we were better, just not good enough. Yeah, I was guys kind of disappointed in the company line, and I, I guess you can't have brutal honestly two nights in a row. And you're right; they they look better. They were in a hockey game. You you're watching it, and you're going, "Oh, we played ten minutes, and that's all right." Some giveaways, but we had some saves made. To me, it's like going excellent. You know, I got one or two numbers in six forty nine. Doesn't do me any good, but am I going to be bragging about it? didn't like the response and I have to take that. And when I say response, post game comments, James, you've been around a long time as of I, you have to take it as a grain of salt, but man, when they jumped on that plane to head to Toronto, there's gotta be some bitterness there because better doesn't count anymore. You have expectations on you now from a fan base and expectations are, Oh, we were better. Hopefully we'll be good in about five more games. It's a process. That process is going to have you out of the postseason before you know it. Well, we should quickly suggest uh, get your submissions in for your Canucks in a song, and we'll hit the music here in a few minutes. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions as uh, what song comes to mind that sums up the Canucks' performance last night. But, Perry, you're, I, I just don't see where the bleeding stops here as there is a really tough test looming for a team that has a propensity to cough up the puck and turn it over, and when they do, it winds up in the back of the net. They've got a matchup against a team that will absolutely murder them with the offensive firepower up front that can really dominate a team and just turn the game. You know, and I don't want to sit here and go over the top with the way the Leafs are, but, you know, the Leafs haven't been perfect this year, but they sit pretty atop the North Division and they've still got games in hand and they've just found ways to win even when they haven't looked their best. But Austin Matthews looks like he's taken his game to another level. Mitch Marner's playing fine. John Tavares there. William Nylander's been on fire to start. Like these are guys who are almost like from a hockey standpoint comparatively to the Kansas City Chiefs that just flipped the switch and could find a goal. 
and that's dangerous for a team that is still turning the puck over too many times. And, look, the Canucks were better last night, but, Pear, when this team makes mistakes right now, they're in the back of the net, and we saw it again last night. Well, and I think they were better because they got some better goaltending. They got a lot of timely saves early from Thatcher Demko. 12 giveaways last night. Lead the league in giveaways with 110. That is not a statistical category you want to be leading the way. And I'll say this and why I just thought of, I saw that Taylor Maid's for sale. Maybe that's why my head was thinking golf. I do think the Leafs are a better matchup, and I'll compare it to golf courses, like going to Augusta, going, okay, this is what I'm all about. The, the trees, the greens, it's great. Or going to play a British Open, where that's incredible golf, but it's nasty, it's meaner. I think I think there's a little more pressure and toughness for the Montreal Canadiens, and that game doesn't suit the, the Vancouver Canucks. But to your point, James, if you're giving the puck away that much, uh, you know, there were still too many mistakes and how they're coming from. They seem to have a grasp and they're in that game. And then who is it? It's Brandon Sutter making the stupid play up the middle in his own end. Yeah. That, you know, 30 seconds later, it's in the back of the net. So is that on Travis Green? I don't know. It's on a veteran who knows, you know, there's nothing up the middle. I'm going off the boards. Let's get it out and keep it simple. And they just forget to do that. Well, you know, it's amazing the number of brain freezes that this team seems to have. And one that didn't necessarily burn them, but you know, you're you're in that opening frame, you've just taken a penalty, and then you take a too many men penalty, you go down on a five on three. Oh. You know, and that's a case where Roussel and Sutter. I mean, Sutter had a tough night, right? Especially in that opening frame. You got two players jumping out onto the ice at the same time, and next thing you know it, you get called for too many men. Like, man, like how does that happen? How does that happen? I want to go back to something you said though. You get like you just you know Thatcher Demko they got better goaltending like do you think Braden Holtby's been a problem for this team or do you see like there's that much of a difference in goaltending like you thought I I didn't think Demko was that good last night like I thought it was basically uh, a mirror image from Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko for Monday Tuesday last night humor me here oh, help, I, help me out I I, th- I thought he was better I thought he was better and, and it's it's the timing of the saves when you need them right mm-hmm. give something a little bit of a pump I do think there was a difference I'm not pinning anything. I'm not pinning any losses on Holpe, but I do think Thatcher Demko is a little bit better, and I do think this team plays a little bit more confident in front of Thatcher Demko right now. It's what they know a little more, right? And maybe mm-hmm. they get that feeling when he's back there going, all right, the band's all back together. I, I, I'm playing Demko tomorrow. Uh, it, it's, not, it, it's not an egregious number one, number two, mm-hmm. but I did think Demko was there, and they just they feel a little better off him. Yeah, I mean, I, I will. I will say this. You know, you also thought Jake Vertanen had a pretty good game the other night too. And where did he wind he up? He did. Last I was night? surprised he was scratched. <laughs> what, gla- what what glasses are you wearing when you're watching these games, buddy? Well, I'm I'm watching Sportsnet <laughs> rewinds like 2016. It's great. No, I thought Vertanen was. I thought Vertanen yeah. was pretty good the other night. I mean, here's the problem: Vertanen was good because everyone's so terrible. So they come down to Jake's level. Oh yeah, Jake, you fit in with everybody, right? I was surprised Jake was actually scratched. I don't know. You know what? This might be the Solkowski curse. You, you were pump. You were pumping Godet's tires about a week and a half ago. What happens to him? He winds up in the press box. <laughs> so th- either Thatcher Demko is due to get an injury here, flying from Montreal to Toronto here in the next twenty-four hours, or or Braden Holpe's going to or Braden hey. going to get a run. Wow, <laughs> oh, there there was a Solkowski curse. Go back to the it's the uh, sports celebrities event that they do with the. Uh, uh, Special Olympics. Yeah, it's a big gala night that we have. So we go three years in a row. First year, Cody Hodgson sits at my table, gone, and that was the big surprise. Wow, Hodgson's straighter, right? <laughs> gone for what? That was the casting deal. Uh, next year, Shane O'Brien, 
he's gone before the season ends. Oh my god! And then, ah, uh, um, and then, gosh, I'm gonna forget his name. Big Demon Alberts. Andrew Alberts. Uh, Andrew Alberts. Yes, gone. And then year number four, Luongo's at our table, and we tell him the story. He just starts laughing. <laughs> I think he was okay. I think he went the season after. So there was a curse there. Um, yeah, no, I just it's. Hey, I am Perry positive. I just was disappointed. And it, with the yeah. Zoom conference, you can't tell what players are really feeling. Here it is. You're looking into the camera. Um, I just found there, I'm not going to say chipper, but yeah, we were better. Yeah, better doesn't matter anymore, man. You're not expected just to be better. When you lose, you lose. Mm-hmm. Like, go from there. And uh, they didn't have enough guys. And I, you just wonder if the, did we misread the talent on this team? Or is it simply going to be they will not be able to beat Montreal and that team will have their number for the rest of the year? If that's the case, then okay, take two or three against the Leafs to prove that you're going to be able to play with everybody else. You know, I, I will say, just going back to with, with the Demko and the goaltending situation right now, I, I thought Demko in the start of the second gave the Canucks a couple of big stops early, and then Roussel goes back and gets that Canucks on the board. It's a 2-1 game. They're right in it all of a sudden, right? But you got a couple of big stops. You know, Holtby, I thought the night before, actually made uh, more than a few big stops. Unfortunately, it was just way too many breakaways and odd man rushes that just wound up in the back of the net. Um, But you know what? Demko gave him a chance to get back into that last night with some of those saves. But, you know, this is a team right now, Pear, when you look at the mistakes, and I think, did we overestimate the talent on this team? I think we certainly overestimated what this team looked like defensively on paper. But, and I'll get into this coming up with Seaball says at 6.30. But Jim Benning's warts are way bigger than his crown jewels right now. And this is a problem for the team that, look, their best players aren't that. You know, And this is something that Braden Holpe was saying after Monday night's game. Right, like look at look where the lotto lines at. Yes, PD had a nice goal, but I mean that team that that line's not right. I mean they kind of broke up the band last night. But Quinn Hughes is not the same player right now. Like your best players are not good enough. JT Miller. I mean, you know, listening to him after the game last night, a little salty. But man, like your best players are off right now. Bo Horvat another game without a goal. Like you know. You know, it's not the bottom six guys that we complain about all the time and look at the contracts. It's the top end stars. Yeah. And you know, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I know you're going to get into betting a little later on. I just think week by week it's, Hey, you know, you got it right. You, you found some gems here and you, you're going to have some money to spend in the summertime if you get there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you have a week like this going, man. And it, I mean, there's no worse place to go. Jim Benny will cancel all flights to Montreal now. You don't want to see Tyler Toffoli. It's it's become comical, right? Like, I like Tyler Toffoli, but to score at the rate he has, I think he scored like 16 goals in his last 20 regular season games. I get you. It's just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, Tyler Toffoli was hanging out in Los Angeles, and you're going, oh, yeah, you got a couple rings, but, man, you've really lost it. And then all of a sudden he finds it here in Vancouver, and I'm going, hmm, small sample size. Is, is he the guy that you give that money to? Like, I, I got to think at some time – He's quieting down. And, you know, it's not like he's great, you know, great skater, great hands to get by. Well, it's Jordy Ben, a seventh defenseman. I'll give him credit on the back end. But it just, yeah, just leave Montreal, man. Canucks in a song. That's what I was looking. I was Googling, is there a song titled Leave Montreal? Because you got to get out of that town and see what you are. But Canucks, um, maybe in the mirror, go, hey, we're not as good as we think. Like, we better all be, all be in this together. We can't throw our sticks on the ice and just win. 
doesn't happen like that anymore. I did think PD showed more effort away from the puck, and, and they worked a little bit harder. Um, so I'll give them credit with that. But for the most part, to say, yeah, we were better, it's like, well, better, but right away, tell me you weren't good enough. Well, I mean, you know, the Canucks have now played – 13 games on the season, both Toronto and Montreal sit atop the division and they both have three games in hand on the Canucks right now. Uh, there's a four point gap there between Montreal and, uh, and Vancouver. Uh, you got the jets there that are also three games in hand. Um, and then that flame series coming up, like the flames have four games on the Canucks coming up. Uh, you touched on Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I think everybody was kind of man at this, at this rate, I think the Bell Center might be planning to build a statue of Tyler Toffoli outside the arena in Montreal, but Elias Pettersson certainly summed up the same sort of feeling as Canucks fans everywhere watching this last night when he reacted to his former line mate absolutely tearing a new one to the Canucks again. I don't know. I mean, he's a great player, an awesome guy, but of course it's uh... – it sucks that it has to score those goals against us, but it is what it is. We gotta we gotta play him tighter. That's pretty much how everybody felt, right? I mean, this was in your house. You couldn't keep him, and it sucks that a guy who left is now coming back to haunt you. I mean, that's the other thing with this season, pair. I mean, five games this year have been against the Montreal Canadiens and two have been against the Calgary Flames. And of those seven games against former teammates. You've lost six of those, right? You lost six of those games, and in every single one of those games, those former players have come back to bite you in the A-double crooked letter. Yeah, but I would say is the only one. Like, Thank goodness they don't have to play Detroit. Markstrom um, shut him out. Statue would have a hat trick if they had to play the wings. <laughs> um, see, that the Foley one is the one for me, and, and we talked about it all summer long. If you can keep anyone, I was on the Tyler Toffoli bandwagon. And I can remember Benning's press conference after it was all done in the bubble. And Toffoli's name came up. And Jim said, you know, I talked to Petey afterwards and kind of got his opinion at Toffoli. And, you know, he's great in the room. They love him in the room. Well, you only do that. You only go to your star player and actually speak about individuals. If, if A, you're Mike Babcock and you got a rookie named Mitch Marner, or if A, you're a general manager, going, hey, man, just give, give me a sense of the room. And if your star player goes, no, he's good, then you're probably going, all right, let's see if we can make it happen. The Foley comes up publicly saying, yeah, I liked, I liked Vancouver. Is the money too much? Maybe in years three or four, but that's the one that got away. That's the one that hurts the most. Um, and, and, but man, he is in, in such a crazy zone right now against this Canucks team. It, it's, it's fun to see because he seems like a great guy. Good to have it, but it's just, man, the salt in the wound. Thank goodness you don't have these guys another 10 times because he had himself a 30-goal season just against them. More goals than any other player has scored against the Canucks since Rafi Torres in the mid-2000s. <laughs> who, who knew Rafi Torres could tear it up against anybody? Yeah, and at, at, some point the, yeah and at some point the Canucks figured out if you can't beat them, sign them, right? And in this case, it was like, okay, well, you know what? We gave, we gave up a second rounder and we gave up a top prospect and we're going to cut bait and we still couldn't get you at a reduced rate at $4 million AAV. Um, yeah. Here's JT Miller. JT Miller, and this was, I think, kind of going back to what you were saying at the outset of the show, that kind of a surprise in terms of the conversation and the narrative from the team after the game. But you know, JT Miller kind of echoing the sentiment that, uh, you know what, they they didn't have a problem with their effort last night. I thought it was a good effort. Um, we had a little... Uh 
jump in our step tonight. I think for pretty much the whole game, you know, they made some good plays on some goals. Uh, we had a lot of good looks, a lot of good zone time, and had a little more urgency, urgency in our game tonight from the start, I think. And, uh, um, you know, it was a good push. We didn't, uh, we didn't quit. I don't think this is the team that's going to quit. Um, you know, we didn't get two points today, but I think we feel good about the game we played. They were certainly better, Pear, but the problem is, is that those mistakes, again, I mean, this team is at a stage right now where I think confidence is frail as a team. And when they make a mistake, especially against the Montreal Canadiens, it's in the back of the net. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, let's be honest, JT Miller kind of for a lot of people was the unknown product coming over and and had the year he had. JT Miller and NHL superstar is not a sentence that he's heard regularly until this summer. Like, man, this guy's the guy. So we have watched Pedersen wear it with his expression and his body language. We heard JT Miller wear it when he busted a stick and you could hear the audibles in the, in the middle of the game. But man, maybe this guy's fighting and you're not going to show it, right? And so he gets in this Zoom post-game conference and goes, yeah, we were better. Hopefully he's going on, you know, actually we weren't better, but that's just what I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, Corey Hurst will join us at 8 o'clock and listening to the pregame yesterday, Hershey was asked about Miller and he said, uh, you may not like where I'm going and I'm not going to put words in Corey's mouth, but essentially was, you know, JT Miller's got to figure it out. Is it for JT Miller or is it for the team? Uh, you know, we saw that post game or that, that pregame, here's who's starting in the bubble and you got, man, that's what they need. That's a raw, raw fire guy. You're not going to get that from Besser and Bo. So this is a good mix, but JT Miller's really been fighting it. And uh, he probably is the biggest instigator. Go, okay, I'm going, let's go boys. But, JT Miller has never had these kind of expectations as well. So, you know, is it is it new to him? Yeah, I'd say it's new to him. We just expect it to be there. But he's got to learn to be better, and he's got to be learned to be consistent, and that hasn't been the case. You know, there was a, a text in here from uh, Rod Langley, and uh says, uh, you know, when are we going to give Montreal credit? They are a well-rounded hockey team, big defensemen, big forwards. I think we're looking at a Stanley Cup contending team. Oh, yeah, they got pretty good goaltenders, too. And you know what? I, I would say this. That, you know, I mean, there was one handsome uh, member of this uh, broadcast team that suggested that the Habs were going to win the North Division. Look, I think we've kind of thought from the outset that Montreal made the changes they needed to to get better. And, you know, the acquisitions that they've brought in, they've worked out. You know, I don't know if, you know, not to say that Braden Holpe has been a problem, but Nate Schmidt, I don't know if that's necessarily been a win for the Canucks just yet, Pear. I mean, everybody's wanted to fall in love with this guy, but I don't think Nate Schmidt has been the fit that everybody hoped for to this point. Where on the other side, look at Toffoli right now. Toffoli's got nine goals on the season for Montreal. You've got Josh Anderson, who's got six goals for the team. And how good does Josh, like, how did Josh Anderson only have one freaking goal in 26 games in Columbus last year? And don't say mm-hmm. torts, right? I mean, it's crazy that all the fits, Corey Perry looks like a good fit in Montreal. Jake Allen looks like a good fit in Montreal. Joel Edmondson looks like a good fit. Like, all their acquisitions have all worked and fit in beautifully for this team so far. Oh, Mark Bergman's he's working on an extra half an hour in the gym. He feels so good about himself all the time now. He's right. You know, the two new players, Anderson and Toffoli, they lead the NHL in newcomers to new teams with their numbers. And, Rod, you you are right. And, and as we try and find slivers of hope for this Canucks team going, what's wrong with them? I don't disagree with you at all. That hockey team is good. And I was saying just in our pre-show meeting, and, yes, surprise, surprise, we do have one, folks. That I, I don't know. I'd like to see Montreal against someone else. Could they be the best team in the NHL? 
How are they up against a Dallas, a St. Louis, a Tampa Bay? I think they're quite fine. And in a seven-game series, I might go, okay, where is this team weak? So I have hope in the sense, and James, you're going, man, you're going to give the way puck as much as the Canucks are doing. I don't know if you want to see Oscar Matthews and Mitch Marner, but I'd say there are deficiencies there on that Toronto team that it's tough to find in Montreal. So the sliver of hope we can give Canucks fans as they leave to Toronto is, hey, you, you got to win two or three against the Leafs. Win two or three against the Leafs, and then we will judge you on a different level and go, hey, Montreal is just that much better than everybody else in the Gord Downey division. But you can play with Calgary. You can play with Winnipeg. You can play with Toronto. That's the hope, that they can play with that group of teams and say, we survive. But maybe Montreal is just that good, and maybe they'll be just doing to most of the competition, as they have so far. It's just they've played Vancouver so many times, and it's, it's just become a, a, you know, a schoolyard bully. Okay, we're going to hit the music here momentarily. Uh, Canucks in a song, get those submissions in, 650-650. Got to give a shout-out to Sycamore BC's own Shea Weber. 1,000 games last yeah. night. Pair, you look at the depth of that class of 2003. Weber was a second-round pick. He becomes the 15th player from that draft class to play 1,000 games. And, you know, there's another key member of that 2003 draft that was on the, on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens last night, Corey Perry. But, you know... I think 2015 might have a say in this when it's all said and done, the Connor McDavid draft. But that 2003 draft class just might be the goat of draft classes of all time when you look at the names, Fleury, Carter, Getzlaff. Uh, the list goes on and on. Patrice Bergeron was a second-round pick. It's unbelievable the amount of Hall of Famers or potential Hall of Famers. Brent Burns part of that draft class. And guys who you found in the late rounds, it is remarkable. And Shea Weber, just a constant. And I think we all thought it was going to be a bad contract. I certainly did for a while. But you know what? He continues to offer steady minutes night after night after night. Yeah, Ryan Kessler went in that draft class. There's a lot of guys yeah. who won Stanley Cups there and had some great careers. Yeah, I remember uh, one of the first things I had to do um, uh, with regards to the Western Hockey League and getting set for, and you you probably would have been doing the traveling with World Junior stuff, was when Shea Weber was coming in before tryouts and he was coming in to play in Vancouver against the Giants. So it's, hey, go down early before the game. This kid's mm -hmm. going to talk to you. And you know, even now, he is such a quiet man, keeps everything to himself. Uh, and that was it, right? He's just the, you know, the mountain of a man, the quiet giant, and he's done everything right. I'm glad he's had that opportunity to come to Canada and maybe get more respect for what he does uh, in Montreal. And it's disappointing. You play a thousandth game. We'll hear a little bit more as to what the Habs did from Josh Anderson later on and no BS, just PS. But yeah, full credit to him. I mean, how many people would like that guy to grow up to be, I want to be a player like him, but also a guy like him who's, who's handled some tough adversity and has just, you know, this is what he does for a living. He's the ultimate teammate. He's the ultimate warrior on the ice and uh, a role model that everybody can look up to. Great to see signs from his kids. Proud of you, Daddy. And what's a strange moment to celebrate. He'll get a silver stick celebration tomorrow when they play. But, yeah, incredible career. And you're right, James, a great draft class back then. Loved, loved him waving to the empty uh, fans and empty seats yes, yeah, <laughs> last great. night as well. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Mike Canucks and his song this morning pair – it's real simple. I'm going with an 80s hairband classic. I'm going with a little Motley crew based on the trend that we have seen against the Habs all season so far. Five games, one win to show for, and after getting spanked by Montreal on Monday, they got spanked again last night. It's Motley Crue's SOS, same old situation. It's the same old, same old situation. 
Same turnovers, same problems. Tyler Toffoli, same turnovers, back of the net, SOS, my friend. Yeah, man, it, it hits it on the spot. You make those mistakes, they're in the back of the net. Nothing changed other than the day. Uh, you know what I do like is the 4 o'clock start gives you a lot more time to hit Spotify, hit Google and YouTube. So I'm watching that game. Okay, they're finished with Montreal. They're leaving Montreal. Toronto's next. I'm going. I'm sure there was a song at some point in life that had the the lyrics. I can kind of remember saying, "You got to get out of here." And so you put it in, and I would have no idea that the artist was named Ian Hunter, but I do remember that this was the catchphrase: "We got to get out of here." Hunter had his musician, James. I don't think he was taking a long time to write the lyrics, but that phrase is all I needed and all the Canucks need in a song. Leave in Montreal. Just, yeah, get out of here. The, the, the good news is there's only four games left on the schedule for the Canucks against the Habs this year. Uh, all right, 25 minutes after 6 o'clock. Uh, what do you say we get to one more of these before uh, we get over to Seaball Says Let's here in a moment? Uh, but how about uh, how about this one? Uh, Prab going with a little Justin Timberlake, Cry Me a River. I think a lot of Canucks fans feel on this last night after Tyler Toffoli potted, what, his eighth goal of the season against the Canucks. He's got nine on the year and eight of them against his former team. Like, just a whole lot of, yeah, screw you, man. Screw you. Yeah, and I think perhaps kind of the sentiment of Canucks fans right now. You know, don't want to hear anything. Go play, go win. If you're that good, go play, go win. Can't do it in Montreal. See if they can do it tomorrow in Toronto. Uh, we'll keep them coming in, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Canucks in a song. We'll continue to hit the music. And in a moment, as mentioned, Jim Benning, how the warts have all come to the forefront at a time that the Canucks certainly do not need this. We'll get into it next with Seaball Says right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. But I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Sabalski, Solkowski here with a mix of sun and cloud of the forecast today. A high of five degrees day off for the Canucks today, but it sure feels like the walls are beginning to close in on Jim Benning. While Tyler Toffoli was burning his former club once again by channeling his inner degeneration X. And if you're not down with that, Philly's got two words for you. That's pretty much what it seemed like Tyler Toffoli was doing to the Canucks last night. But the Canucks had two players also taken in the top six by their GM, chilling out in the press box as healthy scratches. As the Canucks sputter through the first quarter of the season, it seems like Benning's warts are looming larger than his shiny toys. While the Quinn Hughes and the Lotto Line struggle to find their form, everything seems to be coming back to haunt the second-longest-serving GM in franchise history. Whether it's being torched by Toffoli, shut out by Markstrom and Tanev, and just think about how big that four-game series is in a week from now, the high draft picks sitting all that dead money taking up important space. I think it's fair game right now to question the general manager for his misses 
and wonder just how much his faults are pulling the team down this year. We are thinking, we're thinking. What are you thinking about? The encouraging thing is that the Canucks are only a game below 500. But the problem is when you kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive on the math, take those three games away against lowly Ottawa, team's only three and seven. Look at how things have played out so far this year. Markstrom and Tanev, they leave, and they are 2-0 and against Vancouver so far. Tyler Toffoli, nine goals on the year, eight of them against the Canucks. Big offseason ad, Nate Schmidt. Louis Erickson and his $6 million salary. Sven Berchi buried in the minors. Jake Vertanen, Benning's first selection here, a healthy scratch again. Ole Olevi, fifth overall pick from five years ago, scratched. Now he gets a mulligan on the Luongo recapture, and most of all this is able to be swept under the rug if Benning's crown jewels were clicking. But right now, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and JT Miller look more like a soft 50-50 draw instead of the lotto line that won Canucks Nation over last year. And Quinn Hughes might be uh, posting points, but this isn't the same Huggy. Who are you? There is no quick fix. Cap issues will likely prevent any moves this season. The group within will have to sort this out, and Benning will likely have to wait until the summer to make his move. But if this team falters this season, it's hard to see him getting the chance to deal with Pat Brisson and Vancouver's two most popular yet currently wayward sons, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. This is Benning's team. It's also his mess, and he should either sink or swim with it. And the rose is clearly now off the bloom. And that's this morning, Seaball says. Man, I mean, listen, you, you could do something next week if he beats Toronto and Montreal and he gets those big wins and go, you know what, they're going to be able to play with these guys and he's going to have some money to spend in the summertime. You're not wrong with the mistakes he made. Louis Erickson's mistake was when he's trying to keep this team afloat with the Sedins and go, hey, these three guys made it happen. That's wrong. Every GM has a mistake. I do think Tyler Toffoli is going to be one that comes back to haunt them. And the fact is, when they get Calgary, what, four times next week, James, if we see Markstrom, great. You know the owner of this team is a fan. And I don't think anything happens to Jim Benning. I'm pretty sure he will be here when the season comes to an end. But if this season comes to an end too soon and they're not going to be in a potential playoff spot and not even in the race, I think, unfortunately, and we hear it, we'll hear it again tomorrow, like Brian Burke, some GM comes here and he reaps the benefits of some pretty good moves made and some decent draft picks. If the Canucks get to the promised land and they take the step back this year, I don't think Jim Benny gets to be around to take the step forward next year. No, I'm with you. Tim and Vancouver are here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 saying it's been fair game for three years to question Benning's garbage moves. Good drafter, but absolutely horrible trades and contracts. Now, I think the contracts have been an issue, but... You know, we finally kind of had a home run with a trade on J.T. Miller. I think most people were okay adding Nate Schmidt, dumping, you know, giving up a third-round pick on what was mm-hmm. effectively a salary dump for the Vegas Golden Knights, but it just hasn't clicked the way that I think everybody was hoping, even the organization for that matter. Here's here's another thought here, Pear, and, and this is a good text that came in early this morning, and don't forget to sign your texts, but 
This was a suggestion by one listener here saying, the Canucks need to tidy up their business, get their coach signed, send a message to their players things are stable. I wonder what's going through their heads seeing their friends leave and their coach not being extended right now. Like, I do wonder if there's a little bit of the old, I love the line from Remember the Titans, attitude reflects leadership. And with the flux in the organization right now where you saw, you know, key leaders leave within the room, I think that has clearly had an impact on this team. But, you know, Travis Green coaching without a contract, I don't know if that plays on players' minds all that much, but I do wonder if players like Petey and Hughes are wondering about their next potential payday and what's at stake for them if they have a strong season or a bad season because there's millions and millions of dollars for their livelihoods on the line here potentially. And, you know, look at Quinn Hughes last year in Michigan, right? It wasn't great. It wasn't a spectacular year, and I think he kind of scuffled. And I and I do wonder, was his mind already checked out to think about the National Hockey League at that point? But if you look at Quinn Hughes last year after he got drafted, remember the conversation about him possibly you know, joining Vancouver after the World Juniors? He ultimately didn't, but I don't think it was a great year at Michigan for Quinn. And you just wonder if mentally these guys might be somewhere else, maybe squeezing the sticks too tight because of what's happening. But there's a lot of flux in this organization right now. Yeah, listen, I, I'm sure everyone's more comfortable when you know, you know, your situation is done. And I'm, I'm sure after Travis Green, that first night in Montreal, we saw the tirade on the bench. He probably at some point went back to his hotel and go, you know what, if this is the effort I'm going to get, maybe I don't want to be here. But it's always emphasized when you're not playing well. Um, PD changing agents, so obviously it's, it's been in his mind for a while, so that's a business decision. But no matter what your job, you're – you have to be able to, you know, compartmentalize and go, this is my work now. I'm on the ice. I'll get the job done. Winning fixes all. I think on Saturday night, everyone was happy. Everyone was pleased. You go to Montreal, you get stomped. You're not happy with it. I don't know if, if you can blame the Aquilinis at this point, considering the world's economics and the situation we're in and no fans coming to say, hey, yeah, we're just going to keep on throwing money away. You know, we watched it in Montreal. Beer sales have been pretty good. They had a lot of money to spend and they weren't hesitant and then some thought when we watched that Josh Anderson signing, man, they're just throwing the money away. But sometimes you hit it. Um, it's a fair point because I think it sits in anybody's mind, but but that's not the problem. Someone also texted and going, hey, man, JT Miller, it was an outlier last year. He's not that type of player with the numbers he put up. You might be right. I go back to that word, fraud. Like, did we expect too much from this team because of the unique bubble situation where they excelled rather than the jumping on the planes and kind of more of a real NHL world that we're in right now. Um, it's tough to see, but I'll agree with you with Benning. He's made some mistakes, and the kids have kept him alive. Can you imagine if Pedersen was just okay, if Hughes was just okay, and they're playing, like I think Adam Bouchard got his first, uh, and he was in the conversation when it was the Hughes draft, I believe. He got his first point the other night for for the uh, Oilers. Like you imagine if Quinn Hughes didn't come in here. I mean, these guys have kept Jim Benning afloat. You need more. Hoaglander looks like another win. Pod Colson if he comes, but the fact is, I think Jim could be on the outside if they take a step backward and someone else is going to reap the benefits. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way that if there was a window, if this team were to miss the playoffs this year, you could kind of explore the idea of bringing in a closer, right? And but I but yeah. here's the other but here's the other thing, pair. And I think there's a lot of a lot of question marks. You know, is Jim Benning's contract guarantee going forward? Do the do the Canucks want to add another executive salary? Right? Do they want? That's to why assume... I don't think they do it this year. 
So does he get another year just by default then? Well, no, I, I like I'm I'm talking in this year. Next year, you you probably realize you've got some revenue coming in because people will be back in the stands. But yeah, you're going to have to eat it. They never added someone to place Trevor Linden. I mean, you ran with a GM and a president for three years, and then you never added to that. So I don't think you make the move now because then you're carrying. But yeah, you might have to carry it for another year. Um, what do you say we get a couple more of these real quick? Uh, Canucks in a song at six fifty, six fifty. Uh, Harpreet uh, going with the. He was channeling his little Groundhog Day and more from the Bill Murray soundtrack. He's going with Sunny and Cher again. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. Yeah. It was Groundhog Day because the Habs did it again for the Vancouver Canucks. Fair enough. Yeah, a little better, but the end result, I mean, if all you if you didn't have time to watch the game, hey, what happened to the Canucks game? You heard the score? Really? Again? Played out differently. They played a little bit better, but at the end of the day, it means nothing if you're leaving Montreal with zip, and that's exactly the case. Everybody getting points around him. Canucks got a lot of work to do while they're in Toronto. Mike suggesting you look like you need a drink. You look like I need a drink. You look like I need a drink. I think a lot of Canucks fans kind of like appreciate that one after watching that play out last night. Like, oh, come on, not again. They're doing no favors to Canuck fans in this, what's supposed to be a dry February for a lot of people. <laughs> right? unless, you, mean, unless, you, unless you pause it for Super Bowl Sunday like Walker. Yeah, maybe Walker's pause it for Sunday. You might have to pause it for Saturday night, too, against the Leafs if it's not going the right way. And maybe tomorrow, too, uh, when the Leafs and the Canucks drop the puck. Tomorrow at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, Yakety Sacks, another submission here. Ah, oh, yes. Never get tired of Benny Hills, but a comedy of errors again in their own end. Some of those mistakes winding up in the back of the net. And, Pear, I got to give this shout-out to our DJ Greg Ballack, his much, 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 much better half, Katie, going with the same sort of thinking that I had yesterday for Canucks in a Song, and she's picking a Britney Spears classic. Yeah. The Habs, man, they must be bummed that there's only four games against the Canucks left on the schedule this season because they've picked up nine out of a possible ten points against Vancouver this year. Well, we play Canucks in a song Friday morning. If the Leafs hammer the uh, Canucks tomorrow night, man, the challenge is on everybody. Okay, you got to go deep into your 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 music channels to come up with it because all those are appropriate. It was Groundhog Day. They did it again. They all fit. And it, it, the challenge is on us if all of a sudden we see another 5 nothing loss to the Leafs. Start thinking now 48 hours ahead of the time to give us some new music if the Canucks continue to flounder. We'll, we'll just play Drake's greatest hits on Friday if the Leafs uh, spank the Canucks uh, tomorrow. Uh, Ed Jovanovski is going to join us coming up just after 7 o'clock. What do we got coming up next, brother? Oh, man, no BS, no PS. you got to love this. A guy in New Jersey, you want Amazon to drop something off from a pro athlete at your door unexpectedly? We'll give you the details where a mistake was made from one of the great Hall of Famers. Uh, that's all ahead. It's not BS. Just PS, everybody. 645 on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want it. Oh!
not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Let's give you the facts and figures on this Wednesday morning. P.S. Everybody, we the North means we collectively are hockey fans in this country. You know what? Can't help that the Raptors have taken a back seat. They've had a slow start, and we love our Canadian matchups. But let's give them some love. Credit where credit is due. Back up, chop. Fred Van Vliet. His name is Fred Van Vliet. Right said, Fred, got it done. 54 last night, James. A new Toronto Raptors record, including 11 three-pointers. He was absolutely on fire last night. Drafted player in NBA history. Yep. Wow. They just, I mean, <laughs> who saw that coming for a guy who got paid in a big way this offseason? It's a wonderful story, and as the Raptors still try to figure out exactly who they are this season, what a night and a nice uh, and a nice uh, note uh, from Demar Derozan on social media, giving yes. Fred VanVleet some love and basically saying, you know, the old guy couldn't do it, and talking about his bestie Kyle Lowry. But man, what a, what I mean, what a performance! Fifty four by FVV. Yes, and and Kyle saying, hey man, my little brother got it done. I saw what Demar said. He's right. Uh, that 54 points, as you said, most by an undrafted player. Beat Moses Malone, who had 53. Hey, P.S., when you're the champ, you can cheat the system, especially if it's virtual meetings or maybe there's virtual workouts. Gronk did exactly that this offseason with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would bring a shirt, my shirt out, and then I would bring another shirt out. So when I'm running the sprints, I would film myself like 15 times for, for that session, that workout session. But I would run it in a couple different shirts because you only had to send in like two or three reps. So then when the next time came, I didn't have to film myself because I already filmed myself running in a different shirt uh, every time on that one day. And he, never, he hasn't had a clue to this day that I was tricking him uh, about half the time. You can do that when you're Gronk. I wouldn't recommend it to young NFLers, but that's Gronk being Gronk, isn't it? Sounds like Gronk was eating one of those Tide Pods he was telling people not to eat. Yeah. We'll see what he can deliver, man. He's got to be a big part of their uh, of their scheme on Sunday to see if he can get another ring. P.S. In the world of Amazon, like, everybody is getting everything delivered. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. Wait, wait, hey, 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 Mr. Bozeman. Yeah, maybe you need a postman because mistakes are made, and this one was made by Federal Express. James, I love this story. Guy in New Jersey on Monday gets a shipment of boxes, right? He's, he's got a brand, so he's got clothes. So he's always getting boxes. But this one box is really long, and he says, what's going on? Opens it up. Over $5,000 worth of hockey sticks with Chara's name on it. They were meant to be sent to Washington for the Caps. There's the Dino Chara sticks. Now, he reached out to Chara on Twitter, although he hasn't tweeted since 2014 as the and let the Caps know, hey, man, I got your sticks. Everyone said, keep them. He sent them yesterday to Washington where they're supposed to. I thought I, my sense was that he was planning on keeping those. No, he sent them back. They obviously sweetened the pot for this guy because it sounded like he was—he uh, had every intention of hanging on to them. But good on him. Uh, and P.S. We mentioned that Shea Weber celebrates his 1,000th game yesterday. It was quiet. It was reserved. There's no fans there. After the game, the organization and the players did get Shea Weber something. Weber, who was very quiet, never says anything. Josh Anderson mentioned it in the post game. 
And so do we know what they got Shea Weber? Would you mind sharing what the gift was for Shea? Uh, I'll let him tell you that. Well, he's not going to tell us, though, Josh. I mean, you know that. So could you just tell us instead of him? I, I don't <laughs> want to spoil the surprise. We talk about how good the Montreal Canadiens are and the chemistry they seem to have built with all the changes. Great example right there. Josh Anderson knows. I'm not telling you anything about Shea Weber. If you want to know about Shea Weber, ask him. I understand the rules of the room, and that's reading the room the right way. You know, outside of Josh Anderson, he's the only essentially non-Stanley Cup winner that was brought in in the offseason, right? Edmondson, Toffoli, Perry, Allen, those four other guys, all Stanley Cups. And Anderson, who hasn't won the Cup, might be the most impactful of them all with six goals already this year. Like, man, like, what an addition. Like, look at how bad that trade looks right now for Yarmo Kekalainen. Josh Anderson for Max Domi, right? Well, and but how much does guys want to leave Columbus, right? We still don't know up here. Luke Dubois wanted to leave, but heard some ex-players go, nah, Columbus is not the place. Nothing against Yarmo. Man, if people don't want to be there, it's tough to be a good GM of a hockey team and make those deals. Um, but that's what you're faced hey, with in some circumstances. And, 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 and Pear, think about, uh, like, Columbus looked like might be the place to be for the future when they've swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Look at that. The, the market finally was kind of hot on the jackets, and, man, all that goodwill seemed to have evaporated. Everybody leaves. You wonder amongst players, why do you guys want out of there so bad? And then the stories that maybe not everybody gets to hear. No BS, just PS, everybody. It is five minutes to seven o'clock. Uh, Jovo Cop will uh, jump in and join the conversation. We'll also talk to Stanley Cup winner Ken Priestley uh, at 7.30 as well. It's all still ahead as the Canucks fall for the second consecutive night to the Montreal Canadiens. And we're here to talk about it right here on your home of the Canucks. We're Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Here comes Toffoli, right wing into the Vancouver zone. Toe drag around Ben into the slot with a backhand shot. He scores. Tyler Toffoli again. These guys are here to break it all down. I'm trying to win the game. I'm not really care who scores. To be honest, he's a good player. We all know that. Um, I'm not tipping my cap to anybody. I want to win. We're on a, you know, we lost two in a row now, so that's all I'm worried about. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Some people listen to music in the morning. I listen to you guys. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Two minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski, Jovanovski will join the Ski Patrol party coming up in just a couple of moments as the uh, Canucks fall for the second straight night and all that goodwill, that four-game win streak just quickly evaporates, and I guess that's what happens when you run into the kryptonite for the Vancouver Canucks, and that, Perry, is the Montreal Canadiens who just simply have Vancouver's number. Yeah, and, and trying to be positive, Perry, and it's tough. I, I was, yes, Canucks players, you heard the coach yesterday in the post-game show. We played the audio. Yeah, we were better. And I won't argue, you were better. But getting one number in 649 doesn't mean you've had success. You need to be able to cash in the odd time. They were better. And now my only sliver of hope to end this week is maybe it's just that Montreal is that good. And taking on a run-and-gun team like the Toronto Maple Leafs for the next three games, maybe you will be able to play with them and pick up things and points. Because, James, I think they got to go T of three against Montreal, against Toronto just so you have a belief 
that they belong with the rest of the Canadian division because we now know they don't belong with the Montreal Canadiens. Kryptonite, whatever you will, they can't beat that team. You need to beat some other teams to be alive. If not, we've got some serious issues here. Well, the the Ottawa Senators last night continued their losing streak, bleeding again, falling to Edmonton. Now, there's, there is your haves and have-nots, right? And I think we're trying to figure out where the Canucks kind of fit in, but they're somewhere in that middle between Ottawa and Montreal. And tomorrow's another great measuring stick against a Leafs team that is right there. They've got three games in hand on the Canucks, and they've already got a, a three-point cushion on Vancouver. It's Look, the encouraging thing is, is this team's only a game below 500. The downside is, though, Pear, they've played so many more games than teams you know they've got four games more than the than the than the Flames. You know the Leafs have three games in hand. The Habs have three games in hand. You now these other teams are going to have to play these games. But there's a potential here if if Montreal and Toronto take care of business here. You know Vancouver might be out of it here in a couple of weeks if this sort of you know if this sort of Jekyll and Hyde trend continues for this team. Well, there's the, again take solace in the fact I think you can lose to Montreal because I think that will be the norm. For most teams in the North Division, but you you can't take on Toronto and, and go, yeah, no, we won one of three. You can't play four against Calgary next week and go, yeah, no, we were we were five hundred or one of three. It doesn't work anymore. You're going to have to win some of those series. You don't have to sweep them like you did Ottawa, but you got to win some series to get back and stay above that five hundred mark. I don't think anyone's running away with it other than Montreal. But I don't know if I have the belief that this team, with the amount of giveaways they're giving up to snipers like they have in Toronto, the the formula they're using right now is not going to work against pretty much anybody in this league other than Ottawa. Well, they're one and two so far, uh, halfway through this trip, and now three straight in uh, in Toronto against the Leafs starting tomorrow. Uh, Six fifty, six fifty is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in for your Canucks in a song. What track best sums up the Canucks' performance last night? We'll hit the music a little later on this hour, but we bring in the third member of the Ski Patrol, Mr. Ed Jovanovski. Jovo Cop, how are you, brother? Good morning, guys. Good morning you guys to figuring you. Figuring out all the. Uh... All the problems over there? Uh, everything. Everything. There's a lot of them, Jovo. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough one. Tough couple games, but um, it seems like the Habs are, are their real deal. And, uh, you know, they're getting contribution from, <laughs> you know, Toffoli's been unreal. Obviously, Anderson's really surprised me how, you know, I always, when I'm watching him in Columbus, I always thought of him as, you know, that power forward guy. Yeah, uh, I, I don't understand how it didn't work out for him there, but um, you know, fresh air, uh, uh, fresh air in in uh, in Montreal, and um, yeah, it's rolling. I mean, it's uh, Montreal's uh, flying high right now. Jovo, how do you explain? I mean, listen, when we talk of highlights, you have many in a career. But I'm sure if we went through the tape, we would see some dumb decisions that you made. No. Canucks have done no. it so often. <laughs> Only two. Yeah. Um, man, how do you explain that? As a guy who would have had as much experience, and yet sometimes rather than going up the wall, you think you're finding someone up the middle and it's in the back of your net. Lack of concentration? Because, man, we're seeing on a lot with the Canucks right now. Yeah, I, I, that's what it boils down to, right, between the years. You know, sometimes you're, you're list a little fatigue and, and, you know, you try to make a play that's, that you think's there. 
uh, that ends up kind of being in your net. And I think it's almost that Murphy's law, right? And I've been in those situations before where, man, God, it's like every little mistake ends up in your net. And I think that's what's kind of going on right now. So how, how do you get out of that? Yeah, you work hard, but you simplify things. And I'm sure Greeny is is going to go through the tape and 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 there's different options on on certain plays. And most of most of all, you know, the the safe play is is kind of not putting it into a position, you know, where guys are. So you keep it off, off you know, off the boards and, and and out. But I was always told to, and this is kind of a you know, make fun. You you make the money by making uh, you know high risk plays sometimes. You know, so mm-hmm. when you look at when you look at a guy like Quinn Hughes, you know, on the back end, this guy is not a window and out guy. You know, no. yeah, no. yeah. Sometimes you know what? Listen, common sense is there. You got to throw it off the window or you got to put it off the boards. But he's more than capable of making plays and beating guys as a last guy, and that's what makes him so good and fun to watch. You know now. Common sense, like you said, there is times where you just got to be smart and make the right play depending on, you know, time of the game or just kind of the situation, how the team is going. Um, but, yeah, they're just kind of in that funk right now where, like I said, Murphy's Law, and I've been a part of those where, God, man, you're, like, almost afraid to touch the puck. You're like, oh, my God, you're squeezing the pain out of the stick, you know, and and things end up in your net quickly. So uh, you're going to work through it, and um, I think they will. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it just feels like everything that can go wrong seems to go in that direction right right now for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, before we kind of continue the autopsy report from last night, just from a positive standpoint, Shea Weber plays his his 1,000th game last night. From one D-man to another, what do you like about his game from what you've seen over, I mean, second-round pick from 2003 and just, I mean, there's he just checks the boxes on everything, doesn't he? He does it, and, and you know, listening prior to I came on, not knowing he was a second round pick, which is even more impressive. Yeah, you, you find you find gems not only you know, you know, you can you know, first round picks don't are not all the answers all the time, right? You can find these guys throughout the draft, and and you guys mentioned a couple of those guys, uh, but. Listen, I, I mean, everyone that I've talked to, and it's by plan against Shay. He's almost a guy that kind of, you know, does everything well. You know, he's not really a guy that gets in trouble much. Um, you know, he lets the puck do the work. And he's got a cannon of a shot and he controls the power play. And he's a horse in front of the net on the penalty kill. And most importantly, he's that character guy, right? He's a guy that you want to build your team around. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, kind of hearing all the comments, you know, just kind of a treat to, to play with. And... Um, you know, it's special, you know, for him. I, I think, you know, the longevity that you kind of truck along this league, it's it's tough to, uh, you know, to kind of get to that point. So for, for him, um, I can say welcome to the club since I played my 1,000th game. What's that mean ago. anyway? What's that 1,000? Like when you when you have that moment, your 1,000 games, like does it really hit home for a player? I think it does now when you, when you look how how hard it is to kind of have that longevity in the league, right, guys? I mean, it's you, know, you mm-hmm. see like it's a lot you know, of games. guys, you know, that played a long time and they end at like seven hundred games, and you got, you're like, God, I thought that guy played like well over a thousand games. <laughs> so you know, I think the way the game's being played now and the, and the turnover, the injuries, 
um you know it says a lot that's a lot of hockey you know so and i know he's got many years to go where's your silver stick it, it's in my office out of my office yeah yeah got to keep that one yeah. um I want you, Eddie, to respond. Ed Jovanovski joining Solkowski and Zabalski as we go full ski patrol as we do every Wednesday morning. Uh, Eddie, a, a text in from Eric, a, a, a listener here, and he makes a point. JT Miller had a career year last year. Last year was the outlier. Can he duplicate and be that level of player? Sure, but he hasn't shown that in the past. Fair? Because he came here, expectations, wow, first-round pick, and you go, Listen, JT Miller's a heck of a hockey player. He didn't need to do that in Tampa. Now in Vancouver, we need him to be that guy. But, you know, right. the numbers don't show that. Is that a fair comment, or is JT Miller learning a new role? I I, I mean, you look at it, yeah, it could it could be a fair a fair comment. I, I think you're, you're right, though, and a very valid point that, you know, you look at the situation he's coming to Vancouver. Uh, he's in that position that the team relies on you know, to be a point producer and to carry this team forward. So when things aren't going that way, you know, he's going to hear about it a lot more than where he was elsewhere, where he's not that lead role guy. So uh, it's fair. And I I think he understands uh, that, listen, you're in Vancouver, you're in in a market where it's, it's 24 seven hockey. You're going to get, you're going to get, you know, thrown up on the pedestal when things are going well. And when things aren't going well, you know, you're, you're going to take it is how you respond. But, um, you know, I think for these top guys, they, they, they want to do well and they have it in them to, uh, you know, turn a corner, but listen, I, I think the whole group is in, in that kind of a slump, you know, situation right now where they're going to come out of it together. And, you know, once things kind of turn the corner and the team's rolling and winning games, you're going to see production of these top guys you know, get to where they need to be because that's the only way, right? You need every team around around the league. You need your your top six guys to be carry the load most of the nights. And when you don't have that, you know, things aren't going well. Yeah, Joe Bonoski hanging out with us here on Sportsnet 650. Is this team at a point where, and maybe this sounds extreme, but does it almost need like an internal screaming match or some form of a team meeting within the players where – you know, some key veterans, obviously, that impacted the chemistry of that room are gone. And as you just alluded to, the best players aren't those guys right now, right? The leaders aren't really stepping up. You've got some new guys and some good character guys like Schmidt and Holpe that are there, but it's not really their place just yet. Like, I mean, what what ultimately brings this team together? Right? You know, it, there's, I mean, winning's one thing to say, but... At this point, like it almost needs like this team needs a rallying point, and it's more than right. just playing the Ottawa Senators every night. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and and you know what, James, and we talked about this before, and I think the times that we're in right now, it's obviously tough. I would say if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I would say, okay, listen, there's many options. To, you know, you go out on the road, get everybody together. Yeah, go, everybody go out, have a yeah. few beers, yeah. kind of blow it open. You know what? you know, and, and you kind of just kind of get away from the rink, but because we're in this time, we're in a different situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's been, you know, a couple team meetings already, you know, maybe we just didn't hear about, but you know what, those, those get kind of old too. You know, it's just like everyone's saying the same thing. Everybody's thinking the same thing. How do we get out of this? 
how do we start playing Vancouver Canucks hockey? And it's everybody just kind of bearing down, beating that guy next to you and finding a way to dig deep to get yourself out of, you know, playing poor hockey. Um, Any- I, it's just, it's, it's tough. Cause you know, the, the games are, you know, mean so much right now. And like you guys said, with the games in hand, you know, how big are these two games, you know, versus Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. win, the, you win these games and now you're sitting in a good, you know, you're sitting in a good spot, you know, with 16 points, you're kind of leap, you know, you know, a couple teams depending on what they do, but um, you got to get back on the horse and you got to find a way to kind of, you know, around the room, everybody kind of do their part and see where the chips lay after. Eddie, I used this analogy in the previous hour. I said it, it's like golfing. You know, some guys love to go to a, the immaculate Augusta type golf course and go, this is suited for my game. And others hate going to go after the British Open because they don't want to win the rain. But man, you got to be a player. I will take the British Open as that's how you're built to win in every style, every shot to be a Stanley Cup champion where, you know what, the lush green here, it's kind of a country club. Do you think the Canucks might be more suited to play a team like Toronto as opposed to Montreal being we're going to come at you and we're going to win in any way possible? You know, it could be. And I I think that's where you got to make adjustments, right? I I think when, you know, you're playing a team, you know, Montreal that, you know, I, I think they're kind of a heavy team. They come at, at you pretty hard. They forecheck hard. They, they you know, want you to, you know, create those turnovers, you know, in on the forecheck. Uh, Vancouver right now, could it be better suited having running gun game? Possibly, you know, because you're not going to get much kind of, you know, I think Toronto likes to open it up too, and they have guys that can really open up the game. So it could be one of those you know games that's high flying but yeah you're right it it could be you know it could be Toronto could be what the doctor ordered right now you know as far as you know playing a team where you're going to get opportunities well more importantly and I think what a lot of people are really wondering here um, with all this going on who do you got in the Super Bowl that's a tough one everyone I talk to I know it's a tough Tom, Tom Brady you know, playing, you know, in, in, in at home, this and that. I don't know. I've, I've, t- I'm leaning Kansas city right now. Yeah. yeah. Eddie, I yeah. go in the same way. And here's my philosophy, because if I go hard on Kansas city, which I am going to, and I lose, it sucks, but I'll enjoy the fact that I go, man, Brady's <laughs> unbelievable. Right. I right. go, that's un- I can talk about it. And go, that's the greatest ever any sport. That's the greatest ever. I don't think it's going to happen. But that's my philosophy because I don't think that football team's better than the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the defense is 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 great, uh, but it's tough when you when you watch a guy like uh, Mahomes, just the trickery that he has, the how elusive he is. You know, when you think there's nothing there, he he makes a big play. Um, it's 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 great to watch, and and that's going to be the best part, right? You see, kind of. You know Tom Brady, the elder, the guy that's that's won his whole career, and you got, you know Mahomes, who's won last year. So it'd be cool to see kind of a team, you know, repeat. But it's going to be a great matchup, and um, I was always told never bet against Brady. <laughs> you know, it's always you know he just he's a winner, and he, he finds ways to get it done. And you know, you look at what they've went through right this year. You look, mm-hmm. you see him on national TV get pounded. You know, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of overcome and 
and find a way to kind of put it together at the right time, and it's going to make for a great Super Bowl. Yeah, it sure will. Uh, go easy on the wings and the nachos this weekend, and uh, we'll do this again next week. All right, bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, well, Eddie. Listen, I, I cut down, a, a, you know, a few pounds, you know, last week, and then I went to my son's tournament, and I ended up at Top Golf. And I think I ordered every appetizer on the menu <laughs> that I put those three pounds back on. <laughs> What's Top Golf like? A, a it's a, yeah. Uh, well, you never heard of it? No. no. Yeah, look it up. It's uh, I think it's the founder. The founder is the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, and it's basically a, a triple decker, you know, oh, uh, I driving see. range, and it's got all these kind of targets that is are. Is there one in Vegas as well? Is that is that the Top Golf where it's like it's like kind of like the amusement park for driving right. range and all that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's unbelievable. It's it's literally like it's the first time I've been to. And there's a couple here, in, you know, in Florida close by, but just with with COVID and everything, I just you know didn't get make it out there. But we went to the one in Tampa, and I was impressed. Packed. Every bay was packed. Dude, everything's know, so. packed in COVID in Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they don't have COVID in Florida. <laughs> right. Right. Um, oh well, I look forward be, to being packed. Yeah. I look forward to things being packed again too. Take care, Eddie. There you go. Ed Jovanovski, uh, there you go. Weighing in uh, on uh, what ails the Canucks right now. And uh, shout out to Top Golf. Where, yes, you know what? I, now that I think about it, I have a few buddies. Love. Uh, it's like a real. I believe Dan Murphy is. So, uh, he, it's like it's like church for him when he goes to Vegas every year. I don't want to speak. So you're for just Murph, shooting but. at targets, I guess. Oh, it's like a drive. No, it's like it, it's honestly, it's like a. It's you know, it's part driving range. It's part nightclub. It's a little bit of everything. There we go. Yeah. Sonia. Want to see my putter? <laughs> How did that work? No. Uh, I don't know if you want to say that to yeah, I don't. You, you don't want to say that to me, Perry. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't Star understand. Hot golf Star course, Hot Live. It's a PG show, right? Let's ease up here. Yeah. I don't want to see your putter. Do you golf, Aslam? Um, I've been to golfing ranges for sure. I know there's, I think yeah. it's an Eagle Quest in Coquitlam. I've been there a few yeah, times. Yeah, down there. Um, I'm pretty good at mini golf. I don't mean to brag or anything, but... Mm-hmm. You know, when you're five feet tall on a good day, it's mini golf is more my size. <laughs> yeah. If there's a crime committed at a golf course, that's, real when, golf. that's when Aslam's at a golf yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not a huge golfer. No. We're we're two days away from uh, the restrictions that were set in place, what, a month ago here, Aslam, and... Um, you know, nothing feels like concrete, three years just, ago. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like three. I mean, I will say this. We've got it a hell of a lot better than a lot of other places across the country right now. But is there a sense that we're going to get some definitive word here sooner rather than later about what the rules are going to look like? Are they going to stay in place? Yeah. So Friday morning, we've actually got a special news conference that's been called with both Dr. Bonnie Henry and the health minister. Um, and they're going to release a couple of things. They're going to probably extend the restrictions. And, you know, numbers are doing, they're going the right direction. So we don't think that they'll introduce even further restrictions, but it is always possible. The other thing we're going to get is we're going to get modeling in terms of where things are going, where things have gone. And the concern right now is the twist of the variants. So what, like, how does that play into what spring is going to look like? Are we going to see these things uh, eased up in the spring, but any idea of anyone saying, "Oh, I'm going to go to a restaurant and eat in, and go to a movie theater, and you know, life will be quote unquote back to normal," no, that's not happening just yet. We're close. We're getting closer every day, and every day that people follow the rules, just think that the end goal is we'll be closer to getting things back to normal. So, yeah. 
You know, I had, uh, we ordered out yesterday. We had stuff going on. So I said, I'll, I'll pick something before I come up the hill. And it was four o'clock at a Browns. And so I went to pick up the takeout order. And man, there might have been four or five people there. Yeah. And I felt bad for that. I said, Is this it? She goes, No, this is what we're going to have. And the Canucks were starting, right? Yeah. And I said, No, this is awful, but that's a good thing. At least people are listening. Uh, Sonia, tell me this. I just renewed last week my insurance and it did go down. Does that mean I'm not getting a check? How's this ICBC rebate happening? Yeah, so if anyone out there had an active ICBC insurance policy between April and September of 2020, last year, um, then you are eligible to get about, it's about $190 on average is what the check is that ICBC is going to cut to everyone in this province. They have an overflow for the first time because, you know, we all know that ICBC's finances have been called the dumpster fire because they've been in debt for, I don't know, ever so um, they now actually have money. They have $600 million in extra funds because claims have gone down. Crashes have gone down during the pandemic because uh, no one's on the road. And so they have extra funds. So they're going to cut people a check. Now, what we've been hearing from critics, though, is why give people like 200 bucks when you can just reinvest that money into ICBC and lower premiums for the long run? And that should be what they should be doing. They're not. They're just going to cut everyone a couple hundred bucks and call it a day. So checks go out in March, March, April is when you should checks, get them. Che- checks in the mail yeah. soon. Yeah, soon, mm. soon. And so then, if you had insurance, you're getting the check back. Yeah, and this is in addition to another rebate that's supposed to come in about May, June. If you do the online tool, ICBC has an online tool on their website where you can punch in your your insurance policy and your numbers and your driver's license number, and it'll tell you how much more of another rebate you're going to get because they are dropping premiums for a one time. All these things are just a one off. So if everyone's like, oh my gosh, ICBC is giving away money, it's sort of. It's a one time check, it's a one time rebate, it's a one time drop in premiums just mm-hmm. this year and then not again. So it depends on how you look Good at enough. it. <laughs> but yeah, an extra couple hundred bucks. I'm sure people appreciate that. You listen to James and I uh, before the show ends, we give you our pick of the day. You can turn that 190 into 380. There you go. There you go. Yeah, probably not. But there you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Aslam. Thanks, boys. Stay safe out Bye, there. Sonia. Bye. Sonia Aslam from uh, News 1130 with no interest of seeing your putter there, Pear. Oh, I was just – and you know what? Uh, uh, Art has shown me a picture of this golf thing. All it is, at least from the picture I see, is there's a driving range and there's there's tables around it and people are drinking. Like, is that it? Like, I needed more. Like Eddie got so excited about it. So you go, you have some drinks, and you hit, you swing the club. You could do that at most places, I think. I got to look for more. I'm sure there's more to it. All right, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Stanley Cup winner Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber. Mr. Fixit on what he has seen from the Canucks and how the, the Habs have certainly fixed their issues. Uh, it's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It, brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Don't forget to keep those submissions coming in for your Canucks in a song. We'll get to that momentarily. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, and Stanley Cup winner from Dunbar Lumber as well, Mr. Ken Priestley. Ken, good morning, sir. Morning, gentlemen. 
I, I have to say, normally we try to figure out how to fix something, but the Montreal Canadiens did a pretty good job of fixing their issues this offseason. I mean, can can what can you say about the job Mark Bergevin has done assembling this roster? He, uh, it's it's amazing <laughs> when you think when you think about it, and you got to go back a little ways. But uh, there's a gentleman that I deal with regularly on a on a daily basis. Uh, who works in this industry that we, he is an absolute fanatic of the Montreal Canadiens. And a couple of months or a couple of years ago, we talked about this trade, PK Subban for Shea Weber. And I'm pretty sure if I can remember correctly, he was not all for it. And I was 100% for it. I thought Shea Weber for only PK Subban, I thought that was a deal and a half and the Canadians are doing something here. And unfortunately, it didn't pan out right away as expected because Shea got hurt, right, and, and, and didn't get as many games in there, and, and maybe even the season wasn't quite as well, as good as they thought it was going to be. But you look back at that trade, and that was the start of a whole bunch of different things. And I, and I just think that uh, Mark Bergevin has had this plan for I don't know how many years now of – basically locking up what he thinks are his key players. And obviously Carey Price is the best in the world. There's no, no, no doubt in my mind, and I'm not sure who, who would ever question that. But once you get him happy and him healthy and him in the right frame of mind, you get Shea Weber in there. They had that bubble playoff run that they had last year, and I'm pretty sure the light just went on in Mark's head and he said, this is it. So then when you go out and get a Jake Allen for a backup and then you get a Joel Edmondson to, you know, solidify a little bit of problem on the backside, both key players, and then you go get Josh Anderson for a guy that uh, I don't know if he ever would have played another game in Montreal. I mean, Josh Anderson for, in Columbus, I think Jovo was talking about it there. He, he always thought he had this power forward expectation to him. And he has just proved exactly that. <laughs> Go get Car- Corey you, Perry. I mean, it's crazy what they've done. Can can you let's use the renovation standpoint because you know two and a half years ago, Mark Bergevin, you wondered if he was going to be run out of town. But can you look at it like a house and go, man, there's some really good bones here. The foundational no pieces being Weber and Price. Going, hey, these guys are rock solid. We know that we can build around it. Is that a fair? Uh, that, you know, that is a hundred percent. You're Perry. You're a hundred percent. There's no question. He had some time and he had some, I guess, some confidence in the people behind him, and and he convinced them that this is what we're going to do. And he did. He built it like he was building a house. He started from the ground up, and he knew what he had, and he just had to put those pieces around it. And and he sacrificed probably some pressure to go get certain free agents that were out there. He says, no, 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 this is not going to be the guy, right? This is not the person that we want. Um, But then when he realized that his team needed size up front, he went out and got it. And, and he went out and got it in veteran form. He went out and got it in kind of guys that were in their four or five years of their career. He, he's got it already in Brendan Gallagher and Brendan Gallagher is what five, nine. So if you have Brendan Gallagher as your as your en- engine and put all that energy around him, 
I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens now, and it's way too early to say that they're they're going to run away with this, but uh, they they are front runners right now for for the cup, no question. No, I mean they ch- they check all the boxes right now in terms of your size, and that's the one thing. So tell me this though, on the flip side, you go out and you bring in a Stanley Cup winner in Braden Holpe, and you brought in a guy who was kind of a guy who ate big innings up, like Nate Schmidt on the back end. Um, so guys who you know guys who have a winning pedigree, guys who've been to Stanley Cups. But why hasn't it clicked here? Is it maybe a flawed? Is it a flawed infrastructure to begin with, or is it just? I mean, or is it tough to compare those situations? I think I think it's it's, it's it's tough. Every team is different, right? You, we feel that you get there's all these free agents out there, and 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 sometimes maybe we feel pressure, or sometimes guys feel pressure to fill holes just because we need to. It's because what the media wants us to do is what the fans want us to do i mean the guys that vancouver got are quality players don't get me wrong it's just that it's gonna it might take a little bit longer for these personalities all to gel Mm -hmm. and um you know joel was said it before i mean quinn hughes is not going to be a guy that is just going to dump it off the glass he's not the hockey's changed a lot like that it's more skill one-on-one get it you know make good passes all that kind of stuff but there is a time and a place for you know, just doing the safe play. And back when I played, it was always the safe play. Like, I don't even remember a conversation in a meeting that uh, we had sometimes in Buffalo that the first play wasn't off the glass. So if the first play is off the glass, then all of your forwards got to go and chase right away. Well, that game has totally changed. It is now make sure it's on the tape or you rag it up the ice, right? Like we're doing drop passes and we're we're, we're complicating the game and sometimes making it a little bit difficult. But if you're not on when it's a complicated game like that, where you're drop passing and not giving it in, not dumping it in, you're keeping control, sometimes there's going to be mistakes. And, and, and we've seen that in the last two games for sure. What do you think of the real Canucks? What we saw uh, Saturday night against Winnipeg, locking it down for the final 40, or what we just witnessed in Montreal? I think the Canucks are exactly what Winnipeg, the Winnipeg game. They played great. They were they were excited. They were they felt good. I mean, I honestly thought while watching that game, we're going to see a totally different team come against Montreal. And then all of a sudden, Josh Anderson gets two real quick goals, and that old jittery style happened again. And that's what happens. I mean, you guys said it off this about seven o'clock. The kryptonite of the Canucks is the is the Habs? I mean, how? When was the last time they beat them? I think there was a stat last night on the game. Has it been? It's been a few years now that the Canucks have actually beat yep. them in overtime. And I think uh, I'm not even sure who who scored the goal. I mean, they had it on they had it on the highlights. I just can't remember. But I couldn't believe there was like 19 wins and and two losses. So there is definitely something there um, with the Montreal Canadiens. And unfortunately, this year we play the Montreal Canadiens ten times. <laughs> So, you know, usually you only get them once or twice, but now you get them 10 times. So you better figure it out quickly. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's exactly it. Uh, well, listen, thank you. Um, I think the Montreal Canadiens have certainly uh, stopped by Dunbar Lumber. They certainly fixed it. Now we can just uh, hope that Jim Benning we can maybe take a couple of pointers uh, along the way and hopefully they can get things fixed. I, I mean, you know, again, I said this in the last hour, though, Ken. This is a situation that, 
a lot of the warts right now for the Canucks and the problems when we talk about the cap issues, when we talk about the struggles from certain individuals. I mean, there's Jake Vertanen sitting in the press box again last night. And I know we've talked a lot about Jake and, and just how polarizing a player is, but there's a sixth overall pick who's a healthy scratch. You got Ole Levy, who's a fifth overall pick. He's a healthy scratch and has yet to shown that he's a, a, an NHL regular at this point. Like there's there's two top six overall picks that are sitting in the press box. You got six million dollars in Louis Erickson, but like a lot of this gets hidden if your top stars are playing like that, and that's just not the case. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, your top stars are still young, very very young players. Yeah. Right, they're very young, and and if it, we forget that this is the hardest league in the world to play. And we game in and game out, there's a ton of pressure on every single player and, and, and you don't get a night off in a year like this year, right? I mean, every division is stacked. I'm sure Pittsburgh doesn't like playing the Rangers, Philadelphia, Washington, Boston all the time. I think they'd like to have Ottawa, right? Just for a little bit of a break. But when you're going back to back against teams like Montreal, and then you're going back to back against teams like Toronto, there's not a lot of freedom there. There's not a lot of times where you can take a shift off because if you take a shift off, more and more often than not, it's going to end up in the back of your goal, especially when you're fragile. You know, if you're playing, if we're playing like we were against Winnipeg, and we're and it's and it's a tight fought game, then things go your way. But when you're squeezing the stick and 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 you're 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 hoping the puck doesn't come your way it's going to explode off and it's going to end up in the back of your net before you know it. And uh, there will be a day where we look back at this and say, Hey, look what we got. I mean, that, that goal that Pedersen got last night, have you seen a wrist shot like that? And I don't know how long, I mean, yeah. Connor McDavid, like that's phenomenal, right? You get uh, JT Miller back on his game and Brock Besser's already playing well. I thought he played well last night. I thought there was no, no quit in his game. And I honestly think the Canucks, I mean, at, at, at 5-3, they, they battled right down to pull their goalie and got a goal. So there's no quit. It's just that the Montreal Canadiens are just that good at the moment. And uh, you have to be at your top of your game to, to beat them. And so be it. Ken, thank you. As always, appreciate it. No problem. Talk to you next week, guys. Thanks, buddy. Uh, there he is, Ken Priestley uh, from Dunbar Lumber. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuta Street in Vancouver, or check him out online at DunbarLumber.com. And that's, you know, I think there's something to be said beyond just the plugging the holes, adding the size. The winning pedigree that all those acquisitions that Bergevin brought in, right? Toffoli, Perry, Allen, Edmondson, cup, 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 cup. Right, that that's there's something to be said about that pair, guys who yeah. know what it takes to win. And James, I would say this: I mean, it's great, and it's what you want in your resume. Jay Beagle, he's a Stanley Cup champion, so he knows what it's like to play those can't lose games. But you can be a character guy without being a champion yet. And and Jacob Markstrom, for all intents and purposes, Chris Tanner for character guys, right? So you replace that. You have to grow into it. I want to get into what you said about Jim Benning earlier, and and how it's on him and dealing with Mr. Fix-It on the other side here because, you know, I want to buy Benning some slack. There's certain ways to fix it, and I think we're forgetting one thing that, that Benning just doesn't have right now, and I don't think we can put this all on him right now as people are going, hey, they lose. It's all on the warts. It's all his mistakes. I don't necessarily know if it's that easy. We'll hit the music as well. Your Canucks in a song, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Don't forget your Canucks commute with Corey Hirsch dropping by at 8. It's all happening here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Oh, yeah. 
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Yeah, Pear, there was a theme again last night, um, giveaways, uh, and I believe this was your Canucks in a song two nights ago, was it not? I want to be bitter. I mean, our listeners understand in the morning Canucks in a song. We've had some repeats, right? I, I had this on, on Monday night. Give it away. So we've got to work harder, right? We've got to work harder and come up with songs. But you're right. I mean, it, it fit. Give it away, and it came off Sutter Stick, the one guy you wouldn't think, the one who may be credited as the the most defensive responsible you know you kill that two-man advantage from a stupid penalty well how the heck you're killing a penalty there's too many men on the ice uh but that giveaway that 30 seconds later it's in the back of their net still did it nhl giveaways i think they're second in giveaways in the nhl right now you can't win a lot of hockey games when you play that way and that's how the canucks have been playing James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski with you. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock. Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst Corey Hirsch will join us as the Canucks fall again last night. And, you know, was it a better effort? Yes, but unfortunately a better effort still not good enough as they lost again to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that's the fourth consecutive defeat to the Habs. Tyler Toffoli absolutely clocking his former team once again. Now eight goals in five games against the Canucks this season. Um, let's get back to the hits here. Canucks in a song, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Tom, with this submission from the boss, one step up. Somewhere along the line, I I kind of saw that last week, you know, four straight wins. You're going, okay, here we go. That's all they needed. They needed a little slump buster. They needed three wins against the Senators, and you go in and you get one against the Jets in a, in a city that had not been very kind to Vancouver for the last several years. Um, but it all kind of quickly disappeared here with uh, two thorough beatings at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens, and now three big games against maybe the most dominant offensive team in the North Division, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who was that from? Was that from Tom, did you say? Yep. Tom, that's how you do it, my friend. That's how you do it. I'm a Springsteen guy. Never thought of that. That's the perfect fit. Haven't played that song. Lyrics work. That's how you do it, man. Something out of the ordinary. Bruce laying it down. It's sad. It's what did we think we had. It's breakup. It's the relationship that the fans have had. We love them Saturday night, Sunday morning. We don't like them Monday night. We... We're unsure about where this relationship is as we go to Toronto. Well done, Tom. That's a, if we had a winner for Canucks in a song, I'd be leaning there today. All right. Well, how about this one from Helena this morning? There's going to be a heartache tonight. A heartache tonight. I know. There's going to be a heartache tonight. A heartache tonight. I know. I mean, that's... <laughs> certainly felt that way when you're kind of you're down two zip after the first 20 you're going oh okay yeah yeah were they better yeah but and just like that you're you're down to nothing east fan tommy this is something that the montreal canadians certainly have done in a big way to the vancouver canucks so far in 2021 and that's i put a spell on you i put a spell on you nice Because you're mine. 
Yeah, I mean, the Habs absolutely own the Canucks, right? No ifs, ands, or buts about it, man. From front to back, they put a spell on Van City. Listen, I, after talking to Ken Priestley and, and after watching the Canadians, I'm looking going, okay, what are the odds on the Canadians winning the Stanley Cup? And the thing is, we just don't know. I, there's some think people that feel the Canadian division isn't that strong because it's it's firewagon hockey and the way the Leafs play. I mean, we get excited about the Leafs and what have they ever done in the postseason. So you got Calgary that's faltered, Winnipeg, and, and yeah, the Canucks were neat last year, but really are they there? You know, is the balance out in the East? Is it still St. Louis and, and is Vegas? So how do you judge the Canadians by their competition? But I don't know. Maybe it's just because we see them dominate the Canucks. that you just go, why couldn't this team win the Stanley Cup? Last one to do it at 93? I mean, they James, James, they just seem like they'll, they're built for it. I don't care who's coming in. Um, and, and you get that feeling. I don't know if it's a spell just on the Canucks, but let's see how many times the Canadians falter to competition here in the North Division because I think they're winning most series. If they have a, they, you know, if they play three in a row, I'll take the Canadians to win two of the three. I don't know where their falter is. Yeah, and guess what? Guess who the Habs have next? They've got the Ottawa Senators. So, uh, yeah, well, Ottawa so, hoping for COVID and maybe just forfeit. Not yeah, COVID. Pro- they're hoping Ottawa for COVID decided, protocol. Yes, we're COVID positive. Decided not to postpone the games. We're just going to forfeit the six points and move on. Yeah, uh, you know what? The Senators have announced that everybody has tested positive. T- positive for what? Positive to they positive that they want no part of the Montreal Canadiens. We're yeah. just we're, we're not playing these we're, games. Uh, Island lover, uh, basically summing up what the Canucks have been dealing with with the Montreal Canadiens. It's three doors down. It's kryptonite. Yeah, they have certainly kryptonite in 2021 for the Vancouver Canucks. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. They continue to pour in at 650-650. We'll get to more of those in the 8 o'clock hour. Also, Mike Riley, BC Lions quarterback, look ahead to Super Bowl Sunday with Mike Riley coming up at 8.30. And Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, is going to join us in a moment. And Frank and Poco with a great thought here on Sportsnet 650's text line at 650-650. We want to get to that and much, much more as the Canucks Back to losing two straight. We'll dive into it on your Canucks commute next, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. I'm trying to win the game. I'm not really care who scores. To be honest, he's a good player. We all know that. Um, I'm not tipping my cap to anybody. I want to win. We're on a you know, lost two in a row now, so that's all I'm worried about. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. Yeah, Tyler Toffoli having himself another night against his former team, and JT Miller not planning to acknowledge that in any way, shape, or form, or wanting to. It's your Canucks commute here on this Wednesday morning on this February 2nd. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, your starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. And a reminder that this hour, the starting lineup is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. And, Perry, I just want to go back to this as, as the Canucks fall again to the Habs. You know, five games that they've played, and the Habs 4-0-1 against Vancouver this season, right? They they picked up nine out of a possible 10 points. And, you know, Frank and Poco uh, texting in here on the Dunbar Lumber text line and saying, look, guys, it, it's it's this easy. At some point, Jim Benning has to wear this. 
as best I can tell, his best contribution would be hitting on a couple of draft picks. But even that is tainted, as most will tell you, that was Judd Brackett's influence, not Jim's. I would suggest the biggest problem the Canucks have is Benning's lack of proficiency working the salary cap. Where does the buck stop with this team? We need a refresh in management. I have no confidence he learns from mistakes. And that coming from Frank and Poco. And, you know, just to kind of go back to what we talked about at the outset of the show here, Pear, you know, you, you look at how everything has kind of, you know, floated to the surface here with the warts that have completely overshadowed the positives with this team right now. And, you know, yeah, everything seems to have blown up. I mean, look at Markstrom and Tanev. They both leave. They're now 2-0 and on the season against Vancouver. You got Tyler Toffoli, nine goals on the year, eight of them against the Canucks. You got the big offseason ad for Nate Schmidt, which has been a struggle at best so far for Nate Schmidt here as a Vancouver Canuck. You got Louis Erickson and his $6 million salary. Right? Hasn't played a game so far this year. You got Sven Berchi and his money buried in the minors right now. You got a sixth overall pick, the first selection that Jim Benning made as a Vancouver Canuck general manager, and Jake Bertanen a scratch again last night. Olio Levy, another fifth overall selection from five years ago, scratched again last night. You know, outside of the Luongo recapture, that's the only mulligan he gets. I mean, this all gets hidden if the stars are shining, but Petey, Hughes, Miller... Horvat, I mean, they're scuffling right now. And unfortunately, all these other issues come to the surface right now, kind of exposing a team that's, that seems to be very flawed from a roster construct. James, do you not think GMs and organizations plan for the season that's at hand, but they're also looking, they got to, capologists and all, look down the road next year and the year after? Would you agree with that? I, th- look, they're, they're going to have some help along the way coming up in the summer, and they've got in 18 months from now they'll so, have much more financial flexibility. My my point being this: everything you said about Benning is true, but I look back because I thought in my head, you know what? It was probably almost a year ago, and I'm three weeks early. It was in March, the beginning of March, where stories came out around the NHL that the salary cap might go up to as high as 89 million dollars, and I can remember you and I doing this show going. You know what? If it goes to 89, that'll be the money that he needs for Markstrom. That'll also buy him some money. So how do people fix problems? And problems there are. You know, you mentioned it. it it's it's the contracts that you've, you've given to Louis Erickson. That, the Albatross, that is Luongo, even though you inherited it. So there's some problems. But fortunately, we have some money to fix those problems. We're not good on defense. Last year, we've got some money to give $6 million to Tyler Myers and fix that. Then all of a sudden the pandemic hits, and like every other NHL team, you're in trouble unless you happen to be in that situation where you've already fixed your problems and you're fine or you happen to have a whole bunch of money coming your way because of structured contracts. Benning doesn't have that out because you still have Beagle, you still have Roussel, you still have Sutter, and now you don't have that extra money to talk to Markstrom or find to Foley. So, yeah, he's got to wear some of it, but also, if Jim Benny can get this team and the rookies to play like they are, and Hoaglander be a fit, Pod Colson may be showing up and get to the end of the year and go, okay, now we've got a little more money. We've got some extra money with Sutter. We now have some some room to play with to make sure we have it for Petey and Hughes, and you'll be okay. So he's got to wear some of it, but also he was planning to go forward, not with the pandemic and a salary cap 
going backwards or staying solid for the next three or four years going, man, I'm getting killed with these contracts. Just timing is, is everything. And the timing to fix your problems with some money, it's not there for Vancouver right now. So now you hope that the kids can be all right. No, and that's and that that's the issue, right? You you can't. It's tough to try to fix it in in a pandemic world right now. Where, how do you make a move? You know, the the other thing is you look at this blue line right now, pair. You know, Jim Benning's been here almost seven full years, right? Look at that yep. blue line and the guys that, the guys on the blue line. There's only two guys. One guy he drafted. You know, then you got Jalen Chatfield who he brought in as well, right? And they that they developed, but Schmidt, they traded for Myers. You signed as a free agent. Jordy Ben, you signed as a free agent, and Alex Edler, you inherited with the roster that you when you took over, right? Mm-hmm. Like for a guy who's, you know, for a guy who's supposed to kind of develop and drafting. I mean, the blue line hasn't exactly been much of a okay. Hey, you know, we're, we've got some stuff. I mean, they tried to sell hope on Guillaume Brisebois and Ashton Sotner and different names along the way and it's you know i think a lot of that's turned out to be fool's gold to, to a degree but i just I, I'm well you, sitting there looking you don't at know this what goal. you have in rathbone but you know everybody bennings around I think 13 he needs time, games yeah. uh you know a handful against the best team arguably in the league like ken Priestley said what you saw on saturday night you're going well they could shut it down i just i don't know if what we watched in the last 48 hours is really how good the Canucks are, and that's it. We're going to see such inconsistency and so many stupid mistakes. Those are in the head. I, I think they're better hockey players than what they've shown against the Habs. Look, I think it starts with the stars, right? It's not the bottom six. It's not the role players that are the problem right now. I mean, Pedersen with a nice snipe last night in the third, but, you know, this is a team right now, pair that, you know, you, you need you need your engines. You need your, you know, you need your, your thoroughbreds kind of, humming along here and and they're just not and and it's funny because you look at some of the numbers like quinn hughes has put up numbers this year but is he look like the same player i don't think so jt no. miller no, I, same thing I, well and, and and you can say he misses tanf so he's you know we got to buy them a little bit of time to get used to it i mean he, he leads all nhl defensemen in points played more games than anybody and great on the power play but no quinn hughes Hey, let's make no mistake. Quinn Hughes has a long ways to go in his own end and may never be great in his own end. But those deficiencies are made up for what he can do with the puck and how he can help guys out. But he'll get better. I just, you know, people just don't want to wait for them to get better anymore because the expectations are that much higher. And that's what I think they're dealing with. It's not good enough to lose to the Canadians, come to the postgame, and so we were better. doesn't matter if you were better. One number of 649 doesn't get you a win. You got one number. Do you walk around? Oh, it's close to win at 649. We don't want better anymore. We expect wins, and you have to deal with those expectations. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, if, look, if the Canucks miss, I think, you know, I think all bets are off from a Jim Benning standpoint and wondering that after seven years, like that's a pretty good body of work and sample size. But again, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of these problems and a lot of these issues that we're talking about, they probably go away if, you know, the engines are humming. And, and they're just not right now. But, like, anything that could go wrong has. And, and look at the games that have been played against former teammates, right? Tyler Toffoli, eight goals in five games pair, 4-0-1 mark against his former club. Tanev and Markstrom, they shut out against the Canucks the first game, two wins. Like, think about it. Former teammates from last year against the Canucks this season, 6 
0-1. 13 out of a possible 14 points in 2021. And they've only played 13 games. Yeah, uh, but they played them against a really good team. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where they go. I, I was so excited and, and pleased with their, their effort, and, and it just seemed mentally they were in it against what I think is a really good Winnipeg Jets team that's only going to get better. Saw them bounce back against Calgary yesterday. Um, there's, there's just no easy nights, right? You had your easy nights against Ottawa. You did what you were supposed to do, and maybe Montreal will be that kryptonite that people suggest. So you got to win two or three against Toronto. Win two or three against Toronto, then I would say they're in the fight for the long term. You know, to get into the playoffs. Don't know if they're in it, but they'll be in that fight. You can't pick up anything against the Leafs. Only if you get one, I'd go, man. You, I don't. I don't know if you're going to be able to fix this problem. Let's bring in Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 uh, hockey analyst. Presentation of Manifest. How are you, Hershey? Was he giving us the silent treatment this morning? Okay. I don't know. He's got nothing to say. He talked all night with Batch. He heard him ah, on the previous. Hey guys, there the you are. Button, the, the, the old mute, mute button. button, Hershey. Did that get you? That damn mute button and that damn Peter Forsberg. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jeez, what is it? Canucks, Canucks alumni, current Canucks, all making mental mistakes this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Crazy. Everything's crazy. How do you fix what you've seen? Is it easier to fix when they're when they're jumping over the boards, killing a penalty and an extra man? When Brandon Sutter's deciding rather than to go up the wall, I'll go up the middle. Does that drive a coach nuts, or do you go, listen, just fix that and we'll be okay? Well, hold on. Here's here's how you're gonna fix it. That's right. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We gotta keep our composure. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We gotta keep our composure. <laughs> Very good. You guys guess where that's from? Frank, Frank, yeah. Frank, settle down. <laughs> oh, good Lord. We got to keep our composure. Come on. Good Lord. Um, it's not on the coaches. You can't make, you can't, you guys make decisions, right? I mean, you can, you give them the game plan, but you can't force them to do anything. Um, you know, everyone thinks a coach can force a player to do this and force a player to do that. Once they're on the ice, you can't play for them. You can't you can't get in their brain and make those decisions. Those decisions they've been making are just, you know, I, I, can, I hear the stuff on Jim Benning, but if I look at this team and I look at them on paper, they're good enough, right? Like, I wouldn't look at this team on paper and go, oh, that's a terrible team that's been put together. They're not very, you know. Um, no, that, that, that team should be good enough. And that's Jim Benning's job is to put a team on the ice that is the players and are talented enough to compete in the league. Travis Green is to give them the game plan. It's up to the players to execute after that. So after that, it's it's on them. Your time's up. Time's that, up. Was, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, was that's, that's my uh, – that's like, you know, when you're on stage and they give you the hook, they start playing the music. Playing <laughs> you the need to wrap it up. It's the old Dave Chappelle show, uh, the, the the wrap it up uh, button. No, and look, I, I guess ultimately they, a lot of these issues right now, they go away, Corey, if, if if your best players are exactly that. But, I mean, we're, we're, a, we're a quarter into the season essentially now, and we're still kind of waiting for the best to kind of show up. Yeah, uh, and that's what I mean. It's it's on the players, right? Like like you got to they got they got to play like um but something's something's not right. Like I'm watching them play and they're down 4 to 2 and there's no sense of urgency. 
like they're they're were they tired yesterday maybe that might have but there was no you know how that team that we saw last year would be just they'd kind of just they're fun to watch because it'd be they'd have them four to two and they would push back and they'd be all over the other team like it was like i mean it was like they were just going through the motions. Hershey, was, you felt was, like was... you you felt like they would come back last year. This mm-hmm. year, you, you don't. I don't see that spark that I yeah. saw last year or years past. So some something's up. Like I don't know what's up. Like like I'm watching Pedersen out there, and he does not look happy. Like you know that there's not that there's not that will to 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 drive through things or to try to get to win or to I score he scored a great goal last night it was unbelievable but, but mm-hmm. there's just there's not that remember like he'd be blocking shots and and diving and and trying to you know get back on the back check and I don't see that he right was now. pissed off when he lost the puck last year yeah I don't I don't see that like something's up something's something's going on and I I, I don't know where it is I don't know where the disconnect is this is in the locker room I don't I don't have any proof of that and I don't want to speculate for people out there that you know like that there is but i'm just something's up like where is it and they got to figure it out and they got to find it what it is and and they got to find it and fix it quickly i heard you on the pre-game show yesterday and, and the boys brought up jt miller to you and you said oh man i don't know if i want to go here you think jt miller's learning what it's like to have expectations and people expect that you are now a superstar with this team and a leader Someone had texted in earlier saying, hey, man, look at the resume. It doesn't show, like, this is consistency. Maybe it was an outlier. Is JT Miller, although we look at him as a veteran, learning a new role with this team? Um, I think JT Miller uh, – how, how can I put this as kindly as possible? I've been very hard on him lately. When I watch him on the ice, he makes decisions for the name on the back, not the crest on the front, right? Like, in that, And I see that, and – that kind of, that's what bothers me because you, you play for you know you play as a team you win as a team you lose as a team and when i saw them up and all against ottawa and he wasn't getting his points and he was freaking out like that concerned me um because that's not you know how i was taught or how any of us were taught so do i admire his competitiveness and his will to win yeah i know he wants to win and i know he wants to be competitive and i know he wants to compete but there's you got to follow into the team system you got to fall into into what your other teammates want and play with your teammates so um i don't see that right now out of him i see a guy that had a lot of success last year and is frustrated because he's not having kind of the same success he's still getting his points like he's still almost a point a game um but like the turn, the defensive errors are, are are way more costly than any points he's gotten. So you know you got to decide what do you want to be. Do you want to get your points? Or do you want to be a champion? Because champions play good defense. No, um, we were asking as well this morning uh, from a goaltending standpoint: is it is it time to give somebody the ball and run with it, or is, do you continue to kind of let somebody kind of really show themselves? I didn't find like either guy. Neither was bad. I don't think either was great though either. The last two games. No, I think it's time to give Demko the ball and and see what he does. And if they make the playoffs, they make the playoffs. If they don't, they don't. But it's time to give somebody a run. They don't have any back to backs coming up for a while, um, and it's time to kind of anoint your guy. If you keep flipping back and forth, it, it just it's almost confusing for the team as well as to who's back there all the time and who's your guy and who's your backbone. People don't. Your goalie is your is kind of your backbone. Your your you know he solidifies things back there. 
And when you don't know which one's going to be playing night after night and they're both not playing well, um, you know, it's it's tough to have any confidence in that. So I think it's time to just give Thatcher Demko a run of games. And if you make the playoffs, great. Um, you know, he's got to earn it. Of course, he can't be giving up six goals a night. And then, and then, you know, you got to, you still have to earn your starts and play well, but give him a run of games. You know, it hasn't been the goaltending's fault. I said this last night, it's been Holtby or, or Demko's fault. I wouldn't pin any of these on, on them, but in the same sense, you have to take responsibility that you're a goalie on this team. Your role is to stop the puck and that they haven't done it. So, you know, you've also got to be responsible as a player for what's going on, even a goalie. Like, you can't just absolve it and say, oh, my team's been bad defensively, which we know is true. But they still have to be better. That, that It hasn't been good enough, right? I mean, they're averaging over, other than the Ottawa games, they're averaging over four goals against per game. The only games that they haven't is against Ottawa. So you, you take out those three games and, you know, I think they had goals against average is like 4.2 against the rest of the, all the, you know, the other, the other, you know, 10 or 11 games that they've played. And that's not good enough. Do you think they're the team we saw Saturday night or the team we just watched the last 48 hours in Montreal? I think they're the team we saw Saturday night. I just think it's up to the guys in the locker room. It's when are they going to decide or, or it's up to the coaching staff to remove whatever the problem is in the locker room. If there is one, I I don't know. Um, uh, But something's up. You know, uh, they haven't won in, in Toronto either since 2011. So, you know, this is going to be um, and this Toronto team is no they're no pushover themselves. Uh, they've got a good team, too. So, you know, they've got more talented forwards than Montreal does. So if you give Tavares, Matthews and, uh, you know, and, and Mitch Marner breakaways and, and two on ones, they're going to make you look silly. Um and uh, so they got to figure it out quickly and remove whatever the issue is uh, on this hockey club. Well, Hershey, thank you for this. And uh, tell Peter Forsberg to stop screwing around with your computer, okay? You know what? I was so close to it. was like an inch. Know. You know, I, I know. could be a gold medalist. <laughs> you are. You are in our mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm over it. I'm over it. We got to keep our composure. Remember that. Thanks, yes. Pal. Our pets' heads are falling off around here. Thanks, Wise Hershey. Uh, there All he right. is, Corey Hirsch, uh, joining us this morning. Uh, brought to you by a Manifest here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Canucks back at it tomorrow in Toronto. Another four o'clock start here on Sportsnet 650 as they'll try to end this two-game slide after back to back losses in Montreal, and they'll try to turn things around against a high-octane Leafs team. Uh, 22 minutes after 8 o'clock, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski. I, I mean, I guess, you know, the encouraging thing through all this, pair, as much as we've kind of lamented for this team for the most part this year, they're still 6-7, and seven, right? They're still 6-7. and seven. The downside is that it suddenly kind of looks like they're only a 3-7 and seven team when you take away those games against Ottawa. That's, that's the kind of concerning part. But they're only one game below 500 right now. No, and, you know, you imagine if they, if they can sweep someone that's not Ottawa, right? I mean, you watch Winnipeg play Calgary, and, and one team leaves with three points, one leaves with two, right? Uh, so, you know, you, you've got to accumulate points. You go into Montreal and you get nothing. That hurts. But, you know, if you can win the series against Toronto, the two of the three, well, you're, you're slowly picking up two points. It's not like you're not going to be playing the team you are chasing. It just seems sweeping series might be very difficult. 
the way this team is playing right now. So you got Toronto and then you, you got a handful with Calgary. You win those games, all of a sudden there's space. I just want this team to, like, I get the sense that, my goodness, they like, get it together or you won't even be in this battle that everyone's expecting. I think, you know, 10 games in, we're going, Montreal's probably going to move away from some people. I don't think Toronto is that good goaltending-wise and on the blue line that they're running away from the other five teams. But I want to make sure the Vancouver Canucks are there. Play well against Toronto. we got a different mindset on our, our text line and the fan base going, okay, now we're back to normal. I'm just not sure what the normal is. I love Saturday night, but I'm just surprised that they were as poor mentally as they were against Montreal. We've got a jammed up uh, Dunbar Lumber text, bo- uh, text inbox here at 650-650. Uh, let's get to some of these Canucks in a song here, pair. More submissions. This one from Cam, a little Akon. I trade so hard. I try so hard. You know, and, and <laughs> nice call, Cam. Everybody kind of said afterwards last night from within the team, like the effort, just didn't have good luck on their side, but they felt like the effort was better. Unfortunately, it's their mistakes that just ultimately wind up being a difference uh, night after night pair. And I think everybody, even in the organization, even this crazy fan base, you give a rock-solid effort. You know, you, you make sure that, that given ish meter is high then you can take it, right? I didn't see that at all Monday. It's like if this team gives up one early, they're deflated where it used to be. Oh, well, we got a little more work to do. Need to get back to that. You know it's there. They need to find that. Try hard. I think they've got too much talent not to win most of the hockey games. Uh, Dave, with this submission from ABBA, SOS. Yeah. Who's answering the SOS call, though, James? Well, the Leafs, the Leafs, because it's not Montreal. Oh. That's the only consolation for tomorrow night, pair. Yeah, maybe that's the way you look at it. I mean, uh, my song earlier was we got to get out of here. Yeah, leave Montreal, leave it behind, and hopefully the Leafs will provide that SOS that Dave is looking for. My, uh, my, I had an SOS song this morning as well. It was Same Old Situation from Motley Crue. Ivan, this might be the win for Canucks in the Song for the day. This one from U2. Man, yeah, I mean, what is this team looking for, right? I mean, you still haven't found that consistent effort for this team outside of, you know, three wins against Ottawa. But again, it was Ottawa, and you still bled shots. Um, We're still trying to find what this team's all about. And right now, they're kind of trending on the wrong side uh, through the first quarter this season. Yeah, Ivan, that's the old that was right there in front of you all the time. I mean, a song like you 2 right there, and that's that that sums it up perfectly. You thought maybe when they left Winnipeg they were okay, and then all of a sudden you realize they're on that search again. Well done. That could be our winner this morning. So simple, such a hit, and that speaks to what that game has been last night and the night before. Uh, Jimmy texting in at 650-650 saying, do you think that the fact that they can't be social due to COVID is affecting morale? You know what? Ed Jovanovsky touched on this actually an hour or so ago, uh, Jimmy, and, and made that point that you know you, you can't just get out as a team and go have a few beers and blow off some steam. I, I think for teams that are playing tight, you don't have that escape release right now. You just have to find, you know, work it out within. And, and I think there's definitely some guys that are playing tight right now that, you know, as Hershey alluded to with JT Miller, 
Elias Pettersson looks like a different player out there as well. And the body language just, you just see him pouting there. You see it in his body language out there on the ice. Anyway, we'll keep the conversation going. Uh, a bunch of texts coming in here we'll try to get to before we wrap things up in a moment. BC Lions quarterback Mike Riley is going to join us. Super Bowl Sunday, just days away. We'll preview the big game with the franchise quarterback here in Van City. Mike Riley joins us next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 833. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, home stretch here of the starting lineup on this Wednesday morning. Canucks with a, uh, a day to breathe. Travel from Montreal to Toronto, and then they're back on the ice tomorrow night. Um, where uh, they will play their third game in four nights. And that's kind of been the theme. This uh, this season started, what, three weeks ago today, Pear, and this Canucks team has already played 13 games. Give them credit. You know, we don't hear that that much. They've got to be tired. right? They've played an awful lot of hockey, jumped right into it. I think a lot of people think the schedule is a little bit unfair. You can only do it. Hopefully there will be a time when they'll go, hey, this is great. We have some rest just when we need it. Maybe the bodies are are banged up, but when you are scuffling as they have been, you know, you could use some practice time and all that. We saw the success it had when they had the games against Ottawa. They got better, uh, but deal with it. Now you travel, you can maybe get a little bit of work in before the Leafs, but make no doubt. I think mentally the grind this year being so different, that's got to hurt them. And uh, as much hockey as they've played physically has to hurt them. But everybody in a, in a similar boat, maybe not to start this year, but will at some point play a lot of games. But credit, they haven't made a whole bunch of excuses that way. Meantime, Super Bowl Sunday uh, coming up. Uh, what are we, uh, four sleeps away from uh, the dream matchup for the NFL? Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, Chiefs, Bucks set to go. And joining us to talk a little bit about that, maybe a little bit of life of what's going on these days. We haven't caught up with him in a while, but uh, the quarterback of the BC Lions, Mr. Mike Riley. Mike, how are you? Guys, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. How are things going? We're all right. Like, Do you still remember how to throw a football? Uh, I mean, that remains to be seen, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually thinking about that uh, yesterday or the day before, that the last time that I was in Vancouver was in March. And uh, I was meeting up with Lamar and some of the other guys and out on the field throwing. And I was like, that was really the last time, not that I've thrown a ball, but that I've been out there with somebody that's a teammate of mine, right? Like, obviously, most of us have been finding ways to work out uh, during this strange COVID time, but uh, getting together as a group, uh, it's been almost a year. So I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, you know, whenever things clear up and we can finally get groups together again across the border in Canada and, and get this thing going. Well, you know, Mike, as an athlete, you know, you've been hurt. So we always hear of athletes, how much you miss the game, your rehab, you can't wait to get back out here. But I got to imagine on Sundays over the last three or four months when you're watching ball, it just had to make you just scream to go, man, I can't wait till I can get back into that kind of atmosphere. Not that there's fans watching, although there will be this weekend, but just to be around the guys and play the game. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, it certainly makes you appreciate it. You know, I don't think I've ever taken it for granted. Most guys don't, um, you know, but you truly understand how much you love uh, not just, you know, game day, but just the whole experience, you know, the grind of training camp and practice and being around the guys and, and just going through, you know, the ups and downs and, 
and you know the extreme roller coaster of emotions that a season provides. Um, you know, it, it is nice when the season ends and you can kind of step back from the craziness. Um, but you also know in the back of your mind, all right, six months from now we're going to crank this thing back up. And so for it to be, you know, by the time that we play, hopefully it'll it'll have been 18 months, and that's just. I'm not certainly a, a more extended break than I think any of us ever wanted to have to experience. Mike Riley with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, let's look at Sunday's game. If if you had the keys to one of these two offenses, which one would you love to kind of take for his test drive? Oh, Kansas City, without a doubt. I mean, uh, you know, Tampa Bay has been an interesting team. I mean, they've kind of they started off kind of flying under the radar at the beginning of the year. Everybody was talking about how. Oh, it was all Belichick and the Patriots because Tom Brady sucks over in Tampa Bay and all that. And then, you know, you'd go four or five weeks and you wouldn't hear anything, and then they'd have a bad game and Tom would throw a couple of picks and people would be all over it again. I mean, that's just kind of how everybody's been with Tom uh, for the last, you know, five or six years because he's he's obviously older and uh, more, you know, he's older than anybody really that's played at this level of the game at that position. But everybody's just kind of waiting for him to falter and, and – it's impossible to go a whole season without making mistakes. And so it just seems like his tend to get amplified, but despite all that, he still is back where he always seems to end up, which is the Super Bowl. But uh, Kansas city, man, I mean, they just have so many weapons. It's, and when you have a great quarterback that's had the controls, it certainly helps, but um, you know, they're, they can go down the field so fast. I mean, there's, there's never going to be a point in time where you say, man, there's just not enough time on the clock. Like they can get in the end zone in the blink of an eye, and it's it's pretty impressive to watch. So much was made about the play call uh, in the conference championships on the fourth down, and, and they go for it and just go, what a great play call. Do you like the play calling of Kansas City better than what Tampa may have and Brady may have? Because as you said, so many toys, and they're not afraid to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're aggressive. There's no question about it, right? Um, you know, and it, it's uh, it's interesting looking at the mindset of the coaches too, right, with Andy Reid and what he's been able to do. I mean, since his time going into Kansas City, it's just kind of been a, um, a progressive build. Uh, you know, you could kind of see what they were trying to, to work towards, and then over the last two or three seasons, you've really seen it kind of all come to fruition. And then Bruce Arians, um, you know, in Tampa – uh, again, kind of just model, knew exactly what he wanted and was trying to bring all the pieces together to make it happen this year. Um, but it's been an interesting way of how they've gotten there, right? Like you said, Kansas City is just so aggressive and explosive and all of that versus, I mean, Tampa Bay, you watch them play against Green Bay, and it was just that was a totally different game than I expected it to be. You got Tom throwing two or three picks in the second half and Green Bay not being able to capitalize. And Green Bay, as far as I know, had the most uh, efficient scoring offense in the league going into you know that game for the season, and they just weren't able to do anything. And they got into the into the red zone and got stuffed a couple of times. Devontae drops a, a back shoulder touchdown. They settled for a field goal. So it was really Tampa Bay's defense, in my opinion, that won that game. Versus you know Kansas City, um, they're just they know what they have and they know that they can be aggressive because you can't stop them. And even if they go for it on fourth and they miss it once or twice, it doesn't really matter to them because they have that confidence and that swagger that every time they touch a ball, it's going to end in a touchdown. And, and, you know, that's, that's hard to stop too. It's just the, you know, they have the ability of course, but their confidence in what they do is really what makes them so dangerous. It is Mike Riley here on Sportsnet 650. So, I mean, if you have to put your trust into either the goat or the goat in training, uh, who, who do you got this Sunday? Yeah. 
that's tough, man. I mean, I, I'm, I, if I had to put money on it, I'm putting it on Kansas City. But I, I say that um, knowing that I don't have to put any money on it because I just, I just believe Kansas City's too challenging to stop. But at the same time, I mean, it's Tom Brady, right? And I've never professed to be a Tom Brady fan, but I certainly respect the hell out of Tom Brady. And uh, and I think that you, you have to be a little bit crazy to ever bet against him in the big game, um, you know, but maybe I got a little crazy in me because uh, I just I like Kansas City for a while. I just, I just don't know how you stop them. Um, you know, they've, they've been playing great all year. It's all been very consistent, but um, – you know, we'll see. That's what's great about uh, football is it's never one on paper. It just always comes down to who shows up on game day. Mike, how difficult is it for a quarterback? Because a lot of people who think if Tampa wins, it'll be because Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are running the ball successfully, and thus you're keeping it out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes. As a QB, as a guy like you who likes to be a gunslinger, man, how tough is that for the game plan to just stay with it? And you're seeing three yards and two yards go, man, put it in my hand. Is that a difficult thing? And would that be something we see on Sunday? Yeah, that that can be challenging for sure. I mean, especially when you have confidence in your passing attack and everything like that. But as you say, sometimes that's not the best way to go about things. And, and sometimes it's better to just chew up the clock. And, uh, you know, you just have to have confidence in your teammates and their abilities and, and understanding that it is a team game. And there's, um, you know, it's going to always be all – in our case, 12 guys on the field or on Sunday, 11 guys on the field that have to do their job, you know, and you have to, that's the confidence comes in spending enough time with your coaching staff, breaking down film, looking at the other team's weaknesses and understanding how you're going to attack them. And when you do that, you have confidence in the game plan. And even if that may not be throwing the ball a hundred times, you know, you still go, okay, I do believe this is the best way to beat this team. But I think what allows you to do that too is, is having been on the flip side of those types of things. I remember, you know, I don't know, it was either 16, 17, or 18. I don't remember. It was one of the years I was in Edmonton with Jason Moss as the head coach, and we had the most potent passing attack in the league, um, and we came into BC place to play, and I think we only touched the ball twice in the entire first half uh, because BC was just running the ball up and down the field on us, just these super long, sustained, time-killing drives and it was driving me insane. I mean, I'm sitting on the bench with my wide receivers. I have all of these weapons, and I know that we could just tear the defense up if we could actually touch the ball, but we couldn't, you know. And, and when that happened, um, the one or two times that we finally got the ball, we had been sitting on the bench for so long, and we were just so cold and, you know, just, just had no momentum that, you know, you go to and out, and suddenly you're like, oh, my gosh, this could be another – you know, 10 minutes off the clock before we touch this ball again. And then you start to press and you get impatient and all of those things. So when you've been on the other side of it, you understand what challenges it presents to the other team's offense and the other team's quarterback. That makes you buy into it a little bit more too and say, okay, let's just keep the ball out of their hands because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it so much more challenging for them. Nice to talk some football with you again, man. Hopefully uh, we can do it on a more regular basis in 2021 compared to the last, uh, last year and a half, that's for sure. Yeah, it has been a wild year for everybody, of course, but it, it is you know, to talk football, obviously the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, but also just to see, 
you know, all of the movement and the things that are happening in the CFL, yeah. it just gets you excited yeah. for that game to be started up, right? I mean, it's just been, there's been more more exciting things about the CFL in the last week than there has been in the last 12 months, really. So that's great news. Well, I mean, I, like we haven't even had a chance to scratch, uh, you know, for another day. But, man, you look at all the flux with the Lions. I mean, whether, you know, you lost a GM. I mean, you, you know, from an ownership standpoint, you got a new, you got a new head coach you get to work with at some point mm-hmm. in time. Like, mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, at least Brian Burnham's back in the fold for you, so it's certainly nice. But, uh, listen, stay safe out there, and uh, you take care and enjoy the Super Bowl. Go easy on those chicken wings this weekend, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to promise you that. I'm going to cross me some chicken wings, but I appreciate it, guys. It was good to spend a little time with you, and, uh, yeah, enjoy Sunday as well. Thank you. Thank that's, you, Mike. That's why we get along. We enjoy chicken wings. All right, 845 here on Sportsnet 650. That's BC Lions quarterback Mike Riley weighing in on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, some final thoughts. A lot of people jumping in on the text line as well. Uh, we'll try to get to some of that and much, much more. All still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Oh, yeah, Nelson and Kelowna. Don't know what you got till it's gone. If that doesn't sum up Tyler Toffoli's performance so far in 2021, eight goals in five games against his former team. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski. Yeah. Boy, how do you not feel that way this morning? Well done by Nelson, right? You have to look at the game from all angles. A lot of people, you know, get out of Montreal, but yeah, you don't know what you got. And and um, listen, I'm surprised. I don't think we're going to continue this Tyler Toffoli conversation for the next month. Hey, they won't play Montreal for a while, but I don't know, James. You honestly think like he is going to light it up and lead the NHL in scoring, or is it just the perfect storm when he sees the Canucks team Man, it's <laughs> he just there's a gleam in the eye. Your time. your hesitation means yeah. there's no way. No, Tyler no. always can you know. That was the one guy that you and I were both of the same opinion, pair that we were. That was the one guy we both wanted to see stick around. And um, yeah, boy, has he ever come back and uh, like a whirlwind to just absolutely wipe the Canucks out this season. Uh, a lot of people texting in here over the last uh, you know half hour, forty minutes. A lot of people taking issue with what uh, Hershey was saying uh, about mm-hmm. JT Miller, and and I don't think Hershey was pulling any punches with that and suggesting that he's playing more for the back of the jersey than he is for the front. And um, a lot of people suggesting that. You know, uh, Corey was way out of line. Miller's tantrums were because he cares so much and it kills him to be hurting his teammates. That's from Sterling and Calgary. Um, A few others kind of echoing the same comments. And then uh, on the flip side, I think there's a few people kind of suggesting that, you know, Miller's Miller's the problem um, and that he is the issue that, you know, he's trying to be the guy. And, you know, there's a strong personality, right? And, you know, he becomes way more of a leader. And look, I don't understand the full psyche and the dynamic of what's happening on in the Canucks room right now. I don't think any of us do, but you know, the, the clearly the chemistry has changed internally with the departure of Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev. And those departures, they seem to be way more impactful than I think a lot of us speculated on and being able to move on. Um, This team seems a little lost right now internally. They're figuring some stuff out in the room. I think they're figuring some stuff out with this season as what they have to do. You know, you go back to Kelly Rudy a couple of weeks ago referring to Petey Strong. He said, you know, if I'm Bo Horvat, I jump in the car, go to Squamish, and then he 
Kelly came back and said, hey, I got to apologize. You can't do that, right? You, you got to be in your cohort. You can't do that. I understand it. There's, there's new parameters that everyone's getting used to. There's a new rule that JT Miller's getting used to. Corey has been, uh, has been stringent on his and you know how he perceived the JT Miller outcry and the slamming of the stick when the team was winning. Now, the next night that it happened, we had Jovo on and said, Jovo, what did you think? He said, ah, that's just a guy who cares. So I think it can be perceived differently. Um, JT Miller needs to be better, and this is the first time he's had this much pressure on him, in a sense, to, to light up a team, to carry a team. JT's coming back. He's taking the private jet to Calgary. We're okay. Uh, no, we're not. I think he's feeling it, and we showed in different ways, and he's been better, but he needs to be consistent. That's what's expected of him. So, I don't know. Yesterday, I, I look at social media. People are trading JT Miller. Really? I, I no, hate no. to say it, but maybe we do have to relax, right? No, I mean, he's still generating points. Uh, listen, the Scott Ritual Show coming your way in just a matter of moments. Tim McAuliffe uh, from Tim and Sid will drop by and visit Scotty uh, coming up later on this morning. Only two games in the NHL tonight. Do you like something that might make you some money? Uh, yeah, you know what? I Successful last night with St. Louis. It's nothing crazy. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to beat Detroit. I'll give up a goal and a half and see if the Lightning can get it done. And a game that starts at uh, 2.30 local time here. Is yeah, a little uh, an early start. Uh, only two games. Obviously, Vegas and uh, San Jose has been postponed uh, with COVID protocol. Uh, give me the Bruins to take care of business against the Flyers. Boston's won five of six, and they've picked up points in six straight. So I think the good times keep rolling for the Bruins that we all thought that the demise was on the way. and. Clearly not happening. we got to get out of here. Brian Burke joins us tomorrow morning. Ian McIntyre as well. And Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast will pick a Super Bowl winner for you coming up tomorrow morning. That's all happening right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.